Mofax with Adam Curry for July 4th, 2020. This is episode number 42. And coming to you from a brand new studio in an undisclosed, undisclosed location, the one and only Mofax. Mo, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Adam. How about yourself? I'm doing good, and I'm loving the sound of your new studio. We were talking just before we started. Uh, <laughs> congratulations. You finally did the longest move ever. How many weeks did it take you? <laughs> like four? Uh, yeah, I think I think so. Uh, roughly. Well, just me and my truck, and uh, <laughs> I had two guys helping. Uh huh. Oh wow. Um, to do the heavy furniture, but I did most of it. My uh, most of the work myself. So, well, what were those four kids years doing? Trying to keep me from not throwing away their stuff. <laughs> Like I'll put. <laughs> it's exactly. I would have put it in a pile, and then I noticed the pile get smaller again. I'm like, hold on, what? I just threw that. In the, That's funny. Just threw that in the pile. <laughs> so, um, uh, once again, we have uh, quite a show and uh, quite a lineup of uh, nice clips to discuss and uh, build a story, which I'm very excited about. I do have two questions for you before we get started. Okay. Uh, two questions about uh, the news, uh, the topical information. All right, sounds good. Uh, okay, question one. Did you see any of the Mount Rushmore July 4th celebration with the president? I have not seen any news Okay, maybe in a week. Okay, because I was interested if you had seen the Air Force One flyby. That's what I was most interested in. No, I didn't see. I have to go look it up now. Okay. <laughs> it was an edited piece, but it was basically Merca. Fuck yeah, and here we came, ACDC's Thunderstruck, Guns N' Roses, Welcome to the Jungle, <laughs> flying over Mount Rushmore, and the 15-year-old in me went, oh yeah, and I was wondering, because I, I, we know each other, but I don't know if you're into that kind of stuff, if that, if that would do it for you or not, I was just like, oh, this is, and then the 50 years caught up to me, I'm like, there's a lot of people who probably hate this right now, <laughs> they probably don't like seeing this. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't mind the displays. I mean, it's patriotism, so yeah. knock yourself out. Well, I just don't like the lukewarm stuff. So, yeah. I mean, it, that that kind of stuff doesn't bother me. And then the uh, other question is, uh, because you, you, of course, are a sports guy, which I'm not. What uh-huh. do you think about this uh, uh, first week of uh, of opening games? I'm not quite sure what the stipulation uh, is. Yes, The yes. Black National Anthem. Lift your lift every voice and sing, which as we spoke it's, about before, Joe, that's Bi- Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Uh, yeah, Joe yep. Biden's little uh, phrase there, which he uh, appropriated. But why only one week? I, I, I didn't understand <laughs> that. Like, what, what, who negotiated that deal? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we give you one out of seventeen. I'm like, I, I agree. That was there's a, there's a lot of things that's funky about this. And for you know, is it going to be before the national anthem? After the national anthem? Uh, will it be I, I think televised? It will be before. I think it will be before. Yeah. And I'm like, I think they do God Bless America anyway. Mm -hmm, So they mm -hmm. probably could have just bumped that. Right. Right. Did the lift area. If I'm doing the negotiations, if I'm in that room, I'm like, hey, bump God Bless America. (laughs) Hey. Give me lift area. (laughs) Give me lift area voice. You can. I'd like to to introduce you to our negotiator, Mr. Mo Fax. Hey, hey, listen to me. Let me tell you how this is going to go down. Hey. (laughs) Right. And I need, I need it televised. I mean, if you give me those, then. Then yeah. we could talk, but one week I didn't understand that. And actually, the NFL, the NBA had tried to do this during Black History Month. 
Oh, really? They, with the, with the but, lift every voice? Yes, mm. but it didn't catch, it didn't take much traction. Oh, fail. Okay, you, this is take two yeah. then, really. Oh, that's that's. I didn't know that. Well, of course, why would I? And do you think it's the right song? Of course. Yeah? Of course. Uh, it, it, it literally is the Black National Anthem. Uh, just to give a little inside baseball before we get started. This is a song you will learn to sing at every black church's vacation Bible school mm. in the summer. I mean, because it's nostalgic right now because I remember getting picked up by church fans and you would go to your grandma's vacation Bible school and your church's vacation Bible school and oh, that's whatever other church was in the neighborhood. That's... And you would learn these songs oh, there. So, so it has kind of an MK Ultra effect that comes along with it. Maybe it does. I mean, but, no, I'm just, but it, it, it's taking you back to a nostalgic time. That's interesting. It, just the whole, when that came up and then this season is vacation Bible school season. I mean, in the summertime. So right, 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 right. It's just funny that all that came cropped up at, at once, but yeah, I think it's the right song one week. I think that's kind of weak. Um, well, what do you think? Should we have been all weeks or, or, or the, whole, ex- the whole season? Okay. Oh, that's what give, I would expect. At least give me at least the yeah, least least give me the whole season. You know I'm all about symbolism, and like <laughs> you got to at least give me at least the regular season. <laughs> but for but for the guy who's always told me, "Wow, man, I wish they would just leave politics and crap out of my football. I just want to watch football." Uh, How does this whole thing touch you? I mean, I know a symbolism. So I'm, I'm. This is why I stand on symbolic gestures. One, it doesn't really do anything, but if you're in that room negotiating, get the most you can out of the deal. Right. So that's where I'm coming from. I mean, it, it's not going to make me feel any blacker or less black <laughs> that they're doing it. But I, like I said, I, 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 I don't know who negotiate the deal. That's why I'm more pissed about. Like, who, <laughs> it's, who? Just the, it's just the deal is shit. It's, it's right idea, bad execution. The same, the same thing with reparations not coming out with right. a billion. I right. mean, it's, it's, right. it's right. the same principle. You mean a trillion? I mean, it's give me a trillion, yes, and you say. just stop it like five hundred billion, yeah. So, same thing. <laughs> it's, I mean, so, it's right. So it's all basically insulting. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I, I understood it properly because it is. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. All right, man. So, do shall I spin the wheel and we'll get into it and see what's happening for today's show? Yes, please. All right, here we go. This is our topics wheel, or better known as the wheel of topics, where it stops. Nobody knows except Mo knows because he was down a rabbit hole seeing what the hell we could dig up for today. But he's had two weeks, so I expect it to be a doozy. The topic is Black Guns Matter. Okay. Was that Candace Owens I heard there? Y- yes. Okay. That's the only time you'll hear her doing the show. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Promoting Candace, uh, I can tell. Okay. All right. Uh, so I wanted to talk about this topic on this day being Independence Day. Yes, and, here and I'm sorry, and Happy Independence Day. I should have I should have kind of led with that, I guess. No, same to you. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up is I think this is our greatest liberty in this country. Far above freedom of speech, far above the freedom to vote, because those two hinge upon this one, this one right here. Um the right to defend yourself. Yes, as as I've as I, the way I see it is, the Second Amendment is there to ensure the First Amendment stays in place. And I kind of look at it 
almost the same, but I think it's only there because of the Second Amendment. <laughs> okay, all right. I'll, I'll, <laughs> because I'll buy you, that. We, yeah, because when you when you're packing, <laughs> you can pretty much say what you want to say for for most people. Well, now and, we're gonna get into it. <laughs> well, along I just want to say along with my with my feelings about that comes whether it doesn't matter whether I wish the world was unicorns and rainbows because it would be nice. Uh, mm-hmm. but an armed society is a polite society. And uh, I witness that every day here in Texas. It's my, my experience, but I've, I've lived in a couple places. So that's a val. That's a very good point. And we're going to get into what gun ownership does to a community or lack of gun ownership does a community. But I also want to get into, like I said, previously that most people enjoy this freedom yes it's missed on the so-called so-called or quote-unquote black man hmm. it is it, it, that's why i wanted to bring i wanted to shed light really? to this reality and, and I, I know it sounds far-fetched but i the okay let me explain to you how i got here a lot of times we talk about things in passing and one was gun control on the last couple of shows mm-hmm. when we brought up the Black Panthers and yes. uh, we also mentioned and we talked about Raz and the fact that gun control was not on the table right now. Right. So when you when I went back and listened to the show, I was like, that needs to be fleshed out more. Mm-hmm. Why is it that black men carrying guns is so troubling to the public? And why can it be such a, a polarizing image? So that's that's how we got here. Okay. So I guess we can go ahead and get into the got a couple sets of clips for just background. Uh, so I guess we can go ahead and get into number two. Everything's birthed from a foundation. And that's the difference between black and white. All we knew was the white man had the gun. If we had them, we had to hide them. Because there were times where they did not allow us. The system did not allow African-Americans to even possess them. So now we're catching up. Uh, That's really what we're playing right now. Catch up. While no one keeps track of gun sales by race, firearm dealers across the nation have reported a rise in the number of African-Americans buying guns since the election of Donald Trump. Racism is alive and well in the U.S. of A. And Mr. Trump's election had a lot to do with race. It was already there. It just brought it to a head. And now we're seeing the results of it with the guns and more people arming themselves. Oh, nice. It's a very stereotypical NBC report. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Why the buying guns? Like, Must be Trump. Well, I would like to demystify that number a little bit because I think it's two things are being conflated here. Yes. People are buying guns because they some people are buying guns cuz they fear that you know the as as titled in on the on the uh video the rise of was it the rise in the age of Donald Trump? Yeah. So some people are buying guns for that reason, because it's like, oh, white nationalism and racism is at an all time high. Let me go buy a gun to protect myself. Some, I think the, yeah, the other half of that is. I've always said that Donald Trump did something to the masculinity of America, America, especially the black man. 
So embracing that, I think you have a lot of black men going out and exercising their second second amendment right of owning a gun. If you don't mind, um, I'd just like you to repeat that because I think it was one of our first or second episodes where you talked about that, how Trump had uh, had delivered this masculinity. Okay, so this goes back to a statement that comic Kanye said that he said that Donald Trump made him feel like a man, you know, because up until 2016, we were headed to a place where men couldn't say anything or we were kind of, okay, I'll, I'll give you an example. We, where we're at now racially <laughs> we were there we with, were at, with men <laughs> with gender yeah. in 2016 where yes. you just had to take what, what was ever thrown what was yes. whatever was thrown at you you had to eat it and accept it uh, dismantle and the patriarchy Trump, right a lot of black men are not on board with that but we just had to stay quiet but with him winning you saw this um Reemergence of black masculinity as a masculinity as a whole in this country. Hmm. Uh, I think the patriarchy is being revived, and that that goes across color lines as well. well. Yes, it does, and I agree with that. How do you see this? You said you can see it across the country. What I mean, what are some of the recognizable, uh, visible uh, effects of that? Uh, now, this is anecdotal, but I will say just the the cafeteria conversations. Okay. <laughs> you would hear people say, I don't agree with that. Or what is this Me Too? Right, um, right, 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 not right. saying that you're against Me Too, but everybody is to be believed. We were allowed, to, we were allowed to question. everybody is to be heard. Yeah, we were allowed to question right, you start again. To, you start to push back against these things of, that doesn't sound right. Or what, it, what and then you start asking the question, would you want that to be the standard for dealing with your son right. or your grandson or your nephew or whatever? So that's anecdotal. Um, and I just, I didn't say, I just think that I, the, the way I said it in the second, um, second show was a Donald Trump allowed black men and not specifically black men, but black men, uh, nuts to drop. <laughs> yes i you do probably, recall that yes I recall. <laughs> just to pretty much how you said know it. how i said yeah yeah so but i think it's true though and i think that's feeding into the gender war which we're not gonna go down that rabbit hole today but that's something this a reoccurring theme in this in this uh show that we do and i like that and there I, is I, yeah i like that wars i like yeah i like that you're picking it up from this angle um because it does apply to uh all men or a lot of men uh, this mm-hmm. this particular thing that uh, the Trump brought, um, and it's also important, I think, for producers who are listening outside of the United States, who believe me, in Europe they really don't understand much of the of the gun discussion at all. Anyway, it's just not the culture, so it's 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 not easy to convey how this has been with America for since its inception. Um, so and I will, I will like to make a confession here. Just, I mean, just to give people insight. I mean, I kind of think it's fair that I say this. Up until this point in time, I've never owned a gun. I've never lived in a house with a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the reason why I would be explaining this show, but I mean, so I'm not a big gun owner, but I've always been pro Second Amendment. Sure, I always think everybody should have the right to protect themselves. So 
So I just want to let people know that I'm not some uh, big advocate for owning large amounts of guns, but I've always been to the point of a person should be able to protect themselves because that allows you to move freely. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that's, that's the beautiful thing about this country because you can go anywhere. If you're packing, <laughs> you can go anywhere without... <laughs> Without freedom, you'll I mean, feel, without, without you'll feel being, good. You know, you'll you'll feel pretty good. That's yeah. true. It's true. So, um, so I guess we can get to the second clip of the, of the set. So, the concern over safety and security is so personal. The Fellowship Church of God now offers safety courses for gun owners. So, most people, Pastor Jones was one of the first students. People feel like they don't have uh, a voice in the government and that the government is changed to a point where it doesn't care about protecting them. It cares about something else completely and another group of people. And so when you have that, uh, you're going to have people losing confidence in police protection, losing confidence in their political structure. When we're talking about, though, dealing with the police, don't mention the scary G word of gun. Use things like, I'm licensed to carry. This is not about your rights. This is about your survival. Just that simple. Wow. That's the pastor speaking? Yes. Hmm. So we have, <clears throat> we have churches signing the people up for uh, gun rights uh, and gun ownership. Mm-hmm. But you, as you heard him say, and the reason why I run the bell is, you can't even say... Or they're teaching people that you can't even say gun to a police officer if you're right. still carrying. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, this is how you this is how you mentioned. And by the way, uh, the keeper and I also both have a script rehearsed. Really? Absolutely. If I get pulled over by a cop and he wants to see my papers, yes, I'll mm-hmm. say, officer, I want you to know that I have uh, a loaded firearm here. It is licensed, and uh, you can reach in for it. I'm happy to do it for you. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah! <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I think I mean, no, Fuck it's, yeah. it's, it's I think, like, and, and like I said, I just wanted to point that out that even in the church, you're trying to teach embracing your right to own a gun. It's still that fear there, of course. And we really had to get to the root of why is that fear there, and why is it that this is this is the strangest thing I never understood. I never could wrap my head around. Now, Democrats will tell you, well, the police are killing black men, right? I, right. Mean, I mean, every day. I mean, that's the, that's the narrative, right? I mm-hmm. mean, you can't, you can't go out of the house without a, a black man being killed by the cops. But then they also want to take your gun away from you <laughs> well, <laughs> that you were used yes. to protect yourself. <laughs> yes. And it's like, so what am I supposed to do again? I can't protect myself. Self, and the police prophecy. are not... <laughs> And the police are not here to protect me. So, and this is the logic I think where people are starting to get to. Like, what do you expect me to do? And I think there's a fissure in the in the Democratic Party and and over this topic. And I just want to say because I obviously I cannot equate it uh, my situation to your situation with my script. Uh, and boy, do I understand the fear that could be coming from uh, a, a black man in a in a car with a licensed gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I understand. I really fucking understand that. But I'm careful too, I guess is my point. No, I think we all got to be careful because. But I understand the fear. Co- cops are not for people being armed in the first place. That's just, be, I mean, a, a lot, a large amount of cops, especially cops in large cities. 
they're they're not for the citizens being armed because I think it makes their job harder. I, I do. I will say that I get I get that point. So you hear a lot of pushback against people being armed, and like like I said, not to get too ahead of myself, but we're going to get into that point as well. Of what do you do when you live in a large city that's riddled with crime? Right. How do you protect yourself? Mm -hmm. Especially when the police are more. uh, And I don't want to. How about being being defunded? (laughs) And and they're not around anymore. Let's let's put it that. Let's put it bluntly. Right. Which. It's like I said, I think the political lines are being redrawn around gun ownership. And I would say that has to do a lot with. The Democratic Party is between a rock and a hard place. I keep bringing them up because they are literally between a rock and a hard place because on one hand, they are uh, gun control. Mm-hmm. That's that's one plank of their... A huge um, one. Yes, a very big one. Of their Democrat, I mean, of their, their, platform. Know, of their platform. But at the same time, a huge population that they count on for voting wants guns are starting to looking at guns. <laughs> yeah. And that's why you didn't see anybody being demonized in the last couple of shows when we cover Raz and yeah, other handing them out from his Tesla. Right. So they, they're in this weird spot. Like we can't be anti-gun right now. Mm-hmm. Now, if they win the election, I think that they, they go full, full on with, uh, trying to, uh, de-arm people, but they just had to play it cool right now because a lot of, uh, so-called quote-unquote black people are saying i want to have my life in my own hands right at the end of the day and you'll pick this up in the next couple of clips let's go ahead and jump into um nbc news three we are legitimate members of this community and not all the time do others always recognize that. They talk about deconcealed defense. Martin Luther King himself applied for a concealed carry license. Many civil rights organizers carried firearms for protection. The uh, Black Panthers were some of the reasoning behind some of these gun laws that were put into place because we were uh, utilizing our Second Amendment rights. We've been a part of this community for a very long time. We just haven't been a huge voice. That's what we're claiming right now. We're claiming our voice back. You know, this topic and this conflict is something I've definitely paid attention to uh, during the course mm-hmm. of my podcast career. Uh, so I, I know so, I know uh, um, quite a bit about it, but I'm so cynical when I hear these types of clips that to me it just sounds like, yeah, you know, we, we really want you guys on board, you guys, y'all on board with us but we really don't want you to in any possible way to have some kind of uprising or revolt because that would suck and that's what that's what that's what it sounds like to me and and and, and i'm glad you said that because you led me right into my new initiative that i'd like to start here uh we started block the vote uh (laughs) (laughs) yes which was a double entendre of not actually blocking the vote or stopping by the definition of stopping it but actually blocking it as a voting block. Well, of all those liberal people out there that in corporations that want to help black people and give them things. I mean, you, you heard of these things, sending people, random black people money and all these crazy ideas. I, I feel it coming. L- let's give black people guns. Yes. <laughs> 
Buy your black friend a gun. If you want to do something, you want to make them feel safe. Oh my God, that's hilarious. And buy (laughs) your black friend a gun. I feel so stupid that we got you the wrong housewarming gift. (laughs) I will will speak to the keeper about this and tell her of my failing in intelligence. I should have known better that what we should have. I mean, I hope you like the cutting board, but still, I think we could have done better. No, the reason why I say this is then you put these uh, liberal people in a in a bind. You tie them in, in a, a knot. It, you it tie them in, them in a, a knot. Brain because freeze. It's like, <laughs> right. It's like, oh, y'all, you want to help black people? You want to want them to be safe and not be harmed by racism? Yeah. Arm you, them. You can get a nice uh, a nice shotgun or something for a couple hundred bucks. You know, if you really want to go all out right. for, your, for your for your best friend who happens to be black. Then you can. I'm uh, sure if you buy them in bulk, you can get them, get them buy in bulk. Them in bulk. <laughs> like so a that's, bulk that's discount. For, for, so for everybody out there, you hear somebody say, "Oh, we need to do something for the blacks." Uh, <laughs> say, yeah, buy, buy them a, buy buy them them a gun. gun. Ah, <laughs> uh, this is great. Now, now, could that if that was done at a federal level, could that uh, qualify as reparations or just the start? Oh, you mean the federal government giving? Yes, I think it's one country that does that, right? When you born, when you're born, they give you a Switzerland, I believe. There you go. Well, I don't know if you're born, but after you you come out of the military and and you own the gun and you have to keep it maintained and in the house. Sounds tangible to me. Oh, nice. All right. If it, yeah, hey, this is, this I mean, is how politics should work, bro. We could run the this, we could run this, the country. I told you, put me in the room to negotiate. <laughs> right. <laughs> Give me no taxes and a, and a firearm, and now we can talk. Uh, hey, Mo, 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 it's called Texas, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no taxes and a firearm. Welcome to the great state well, of Texas. All states. <laughs> <laughs> just saying, just saying, you're more than welcome here. So GBG for everybody out there, give blacks guns. So oh, <laughs> writing that one down. GBG. I, I can't wait to get canceled over this one. That'll be great. Give blacks guns. But how can they? Well, they can't. See, it's, it's they the, can't. It's, I'm just saying that the, the 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 outrage would be because uh, your retort would be like, "Oh, you're not for protecting black people." I know it's a beautiful brain freeze. It really is. It's, it's a good one. <laughs> And I think it's T-shirt right, worthy. So. Honestly, I think it's T-shirt worthy because you know, as a white person, you can wear a give blacks. I mean, we maybe blacks. I don't know. You think that's okay? Give blacks guns. That could be interpreted it, it rings, the wrong no, way. It, no it, other way. No, no, it has to. Uh-uh. Be. It can't be. <laughs> okay. That yeah, so. it, has, yeah, it has to be because it, right, has, so. to, it <laughs> has to counter Black Lives Matter. I got it. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, because we it's not lip service. You're actually giving giving somebody something. So, GBG, um, fantastic. GBG, give blacks guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess we can move on to the final clip in this set, uh, number four. Any great move in the black community has always began in the church house, all the way back from slavery. Racially motivated church attacks like the one in Charleston, South Carolina, which left a pastor and eight parishioners dead, have prompted some churchgoers to pray for peace while packing pistols in the pews. There are some that have some mental problems and they are going after churches. They feel it is a vulnerable place, a place where there will be no retribution. But times are changing. You just can't come up in churches no more. And 
and attack churches no more and don't expect that you may get some pushback. Some people say, well, God is only a God of love. No, God was a God of war. God is a God of vengeance. Very few people like to talk about God in his totality. God took judgment several times. He's told his people to protect yourselves. He told them to look out for the enemy. So we we have no problem with that when people come and say, oh, the church supposed to be a person of love. No, the God that I serve was a God of wrath, vengeance, protection, watching out for his own. Ah, I like his view of uh, the, the scripture. I like it. And this is my view of the scripture, because I mean, not to get, you know, uh, biblical, but Peter, Peter was packing <laughs> when they came to get Jesus. I mean, like, let me get that ear. It's pretty much let open carry, man. <laughs> so, yeah, so they, I mean, I, I, I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but yeah, oftentimes people look at black churches or as this passive thing, but if you really read the word it's, it's it's it is about protecting yourself and it i or i is in there it's a lot of stuff in there so that'd be a good show but for if the you start future. See, yeah so if you start seeing this thing crop up inside churches that's mean the older people mm-hmm. um and I, that's another factor they're trying to put this all on trump but these older people are getting robbed by people in their neighborhood yeah and they don't feel safe you know, walking up and down their own street. It's not white nationalists is jumping out, you know, <laughs> harassing and, and beating. <laughs> right. It's not, yeah. it, not, I mean, not say this. I mean, it can't happen, but of that's, course I mean, we're talking about, the, we're talking about the numbers here. Yeah. Uh, is people that look like them. And I think that would be a bigger driving factor for people arming themselves, especially in these, um, in these large urban areas. Hey, so man, my, my wife we, never, never wanted to be armed. And now she does. And now she is. It's empowering. And, yes. I, and I, I say that yes. because I plan to buy every one of my daughters a gun when they become of age. Nice. Because at that, at that point, nobody, you could be no one's victim. Uh, you might get with a guy. He might go crazy. Guess what? You're able to handle yourself until at least I get there. Right? Mm-hmm. So... We really need to start reevaluating where did this fear of black people owning guns come from? And we're going to get to the bottom of it, but it is a real fear because if you ask people now, I think the numbers are roughly half white people own guns. I think it's like 48, 40 something, 47%, but it's only like 25% of black people that own guns. Hmm. Why is that number so low? Uh, and I think it's out of fear. It's like, oh, you don't want to get caught with a gun. You know, you see, be seen as trouble. And it's, just, <laughs> it's a short, it's shortcut to being killed by a cop. I mean, could it be more obvious what the messaging is? Yeah, and you're gonna hit. Oh, <laughs> I would tell you goggles, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna hear that. I mean, that that's a real sentiment uh, in the black community that you. you put a target on your back or raise the odds of you being killed sure by arming yourself which i don't understand that logic but no but but you understand crazy uh, mo the mind control is strong man it's really strong so i do but i think it's breaking though because people are using logic now obviously yeah hold on and by the way and, and that's the problem 
giveblacksguns.com and .org are now registered. So the the campaign is already (laughs) ramping up. Just letting you know. (laughs) I'm I'm in. There there we go. We have a domain name. We we, we said tongue in cheek. (laughs) Hey, Black Lives Matter started off with a hashtag. That's right. That's right. We're headed headed again. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I guess go ahead. Let's go ahead and get to the stigma of black gun ownership. We're going hot. The narrative is always the gangbanger, the criminal. Every time you see black on TV, black with a gun, it's illegal. It's some sort of criminal activity. Clear. You equate that individual with myself, which is, to me, insulting to the highest degree. I'm good. Ainsley Reynolds is an accountant in New Jersey. He's a dad, a community volunteer, and he wants to change the way people think about blacks and guns. This is Tanzina Vega for the New York Times. I've owned my own firearm since 1995, but I've been shooting since I was a teenager with my older brother. While there is not strong data tracking the demographics of gun owners, here's what we do know. A University of Chicago survey found that over the past 30 years, an average of 27% of blacks said they own guns. That's compared with 47% of whites nationally. Right. So there, and there goes the, 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 number, yeah, the breakdown, the breakdown yeah. of the numbers. Yeah. But I want to speak to what he said about the image of a black man with a gun. Yeah, you hardly ever see on TV a good guy. I mean, you know, it's the verbiage that they use: a good guy with a gun. No, there's only only one. There's only one. LL Cool J. I think that's it. I mean, before then you had Shaft. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, and yeah. it was one show it was called, I think, Hawk. It was a black. I would never forget this as a kid. It was Hawk. a black guy. He had a black, I think it was Spencer for Hire or something. It was a show my grandma used to watch. Hmm. And it had a black guy. He used to wear sunglasses. And he had a big old 44 Magnum. <laughs> and, but he was, a, he was a good guy. I think his name was Hawk. And as a kid, I remember seeing this like this big bald black guy with a big old gun. Ah, yes. And it got yes, me going. Yes, I'm looking at it now in the Wikipedia. Yeah, what, what was the name yeah. of the show? Yeah, Spencer for Hire. You're right. That's what Spencer it was. For hire. Spencer for Hire. That, yep. I'm, I'm just letting people know that image, that imagery set with me. I'm talking about, I was had to be like six, seven years old, but it was something about that black guy. He used to wear shades and a bald and, head. And, and a nice suit. He had gotta... his big old... <laughs> yeah, he had his big old silver gun. I mean, huge. I mean, like, four, <laughs> huge handgun. I was like, yeah, that's it. Oh, and there was... A, there was okay, there was a spinoff of the show called A Man Called Hawk. So I guess they spun it out. So Hawk was the guy. And Spencer for Hire. And then it continued. I'm, but this was 85, 86. So this just, sounds right. So that lets you know how young I was. I was five or six years old that time, right, but right. I never would forget it. Seeing this good black guy, because I mean he helped Spencer, right. um, brandishing this huge firearm, <laughs> it gave me a sense of pride. I mean, I'm serious. Yeah, of it course, gave me, I mean, because it's because I'm a 40 years old now, and this stick still sticks with me mm-hmm. to this day. And I think so. That was the last Hollywood. He, the last hero you had as a gun, black hero uh, with a gun, was a uh, hawk. I, not last. I mean, because you had Ving Rhames and Rosewood. That was more no, okay. of uh, no, about right. yes. Uh, 
but I mean, they so far are few between. True. Uh, where you see these positive images, most of the time you see, and this is where I never use, but this is the word I use from gangbangers. Uh, you know, with the gun turned sideways, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's, just, it's, 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 I have an idea. It's I, so stereotypical, right? I just had an idea. I mean, Black mm-hmm. Lives Matters, Black Lives Matter really needs to take a stand in Hollywood. We need to see more good black guys with badass guns. And the Lear Foundation needs to get in on it. And we should be demanding this as part of our GBG campaign. Uh, give blacks guns. We have also come up with an alternative black national anthem, which is raise every Glock. So we have demands, people. <laughs> but but not um, but if when you watch Law and Order, yeah. I mean you don't you hardly ever see like the good guys with that are black with the guns, right? Um, just in the, as a quick aside, the only time. Uh, Denzel Washington won an Oscar was a playing a black a bad black a bad guy with a gun. Right, right. Well, even though he uh, even though he was a cop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the hell is that all about? It's not fair. I'm telling you, it's it's stereotypes. But, the black male with a gun is bad. Isn't it universal? If you take a firearm and turn it to the side ninety degrees, that's gangster. That, that means something that means something different right where did that come from <laughs> from uh, we have to ask ourselves these things yeah yeah well th- thank you let's just stop for a second now, i don't know if you're currently a gun owner you said you never owned water no, so whatever doesn't matter but and it, it, my status has changed <laughs> okay i'm happy to hear this so any thank you any any firearm instructor you ask them say hey man teach me how to shoot like this and they will look at you as if your hair is on fire there's nothing smart about this manner of using a firearm. It is not but accurate. Where did that come from, though? Where that's a that's a Hollywood creation. That is well, I, I it must be because what was the first? You know, it may have come. Was it before the Matrix? Because in the Matrix, Neo. Oh, this predate. Oh, this pre predates I mean, this Matrix. Is, yeah. This goes back. I think it was even uh, lampooned a bit in Hollywood Shuffle, the movie we talk about with Robert Townsend. Um, oh shoot, was, that was I mean, way before the Matrix. The, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're so right. we're talking about the early '80s. Wesley Snipes. Uh, I'm thinking guys, Wesley Snipes might have had something to do with it. It's just I have these images. Maybe, maybe I'm just saying. But where did where did that meme not come from, a, from? Not from a serious uh, uh, operator of firearms. That's for sure. Right. So this, that goes to show you that these images, I just showed you one good and now I showed you one bad, how they stick into our, our psyche. Yeah. Uh, you know, to that's the that's the official black man's firing position, you know what I'm saying, with the gun turn. I'm like, who who does that? But I I don't know. Um but I guess we can get to into stigma uh, part two. We don't talk about it because we don't want to have to deal with the negativity. It wasn't until probably five years ago where I finally had to say, you know what? 
I'm not doing anything wrong. For many blacks, gun ownership is loaded with stigma, particularly because blacks are more affected by gun violence. According to CDC data from the last 10 years, blacks died from gunshot wounds at a rate nearly twice as high as whites. Blacks may be reluctant, actually, to go out and uh, purchase guns, or that people will feel it when they, they go into a shop and ask questions, because they, again, may have some sense of, of, of stigma. Well, if I go to a range, people are going to think that I'm some criminal. 57! Yep. you're all set. You can go on in. But many feel gun culture is changing. I don't think it's such a taboo experience to speak about your firearms like it used to be 10 years ago. You do see a lot of African-Americans at the range practicing. You see a lot of women, uh, African-American women. And range owners across the country report a more diverse clientele. I think what's really driving minorities is the high crime rates and the lack of police now due to layoffs. What you see yeah, happening yeah. is these people want to defend themselves. Absolutely. <laughs> so that counters the point of his Trump. Of course. It's the high of crime course, rates. Of course. Hold now, on. Now I'm not taking Trump off the hook or poo-pooing people's fear that racism is on the rise and they're going to buy guns, but we can't lump it all on Trump, right? I mean, we have to parse these numbers. Well, well, let me allow me to say that I think we actually can put a lot of it on Trump, but not because of the racism. He has, for the past almost four years, continuously reminded everybody about our right uh, uh, to own guns. So he has definitely kept it in the conversation. There's there's no doubt about that. If I may just say uh, for a moment, I've put in the show notes a Wikipedia page for the side grip uh, which has, actually it has it. Oh yes, and would you like and would you like to hear something just for a moment, please, please, okay. please enlighten me. So obviously, it, it you know there's a the is it, it appears some of the some of it may have originated from the uh, submachine guns, Second World War, the Tommy gun, basically because the recoil was so heavy that they you know if you're shooting it, it tended to climb, you know the barrel would mm-hmm. move up. So it's apparently some of that was done. As, by, as old as the 40s, but at the top on this Wikipedia page, shooting a gun in this way has no practical benefit under most circumstances and makes proper aiming very difficult. But the style has become somewhat popular in hip-hop culture and among street criminals. So just so you know. <laughs> uh, now, uh, from the popular culture, uh, the side group was portrayed in the 60s in the Westerns, One-Eyed Jacks, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Um, I don't remember black people in that movie. <laughs> the, the side grip. Uh, but it, they don't take it much further back. Um, let's see, 93, apparently, that, Menace to Society, was, was, it was shown a lot, in the, especially in the opening scene. And that's what I'm saying, that they, these movies fed, it's like it's a cycle, right? The People watch the movies. Yes, and then they pick up the the tactic, and then it like oh well, then it, it comes becomes the a thing. Yeah, it becomes a thing, and then it goes back into movies. Totally right. Right. Yep. Okay. I'm sorry. So, I'm I just, just wanted. To I'm glad you. I'm, no, 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 no. I'm glad you did. <laughs> I'm glad you did that. But the Tommy gun thing makes sense because if it climbs, then you want oh, to yeah. turn it sideways. That way, it sweeps instead of yep, exactly climbs. But last time I checked, the people I saw hanging out of 
car shooting Tommy guns didn't look like me. But as I always say, we're always the, we're always the face of everything negative. I mean, it just, it just is what it is. It's all right, and and we move on. Yeah, we move on. But um, stigma three. Politically, blacks tend to be in favor of gun control, and in recent decades, organizations like the NAACP have advocated for stricter gun control laws. There is this this divide between the the political class in in many instances and people on the ground making their sort of daily decisions. Cops can't always be there. Obama definitely can't be there. The NRA pushes hard on the theme of self-defense when the police can't be there. Colian Noir, a lawyer who has become an internet sensation with his pro-gun videos recently became an NRA contributor. Still, the NRA says it's not purposely marketing to minorities. I'm black. Get over it. In Indianapolis, at this year's NRA convention, officials emphasized a broad outreach effort. Outreach to the military um, and to law enforcement where you have um, a greater black and Hispanic population. Yeah, the uh, Kalyan Noir, that's his name? Mm-hmm. Yes. He was on Rogan uh, a week ago or so. Interesting fellow. Yeah. And and I and I will agree with the New York Times here. I think they did uh, use him. He's for real. I mean, he he's the real deal. No. But the I NRA... Mean, they did. I mean, I mean... They picked yeah, him up I mean, and they yeah. and they let go of him when they changed their mind. I mean, that that's the story he told on Rogan. I thought it was pretty and interesting. And we're going to... We, yeah, we're going to get... I didn't see that all that interview. I saw some of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're going to get into... The NRA and its troubles because they're they're not a very good partner. <laughs> not a good partner. Good part, in this. Yeah, good yeah. partner. They're not a good partner in this. They but will only, not be listed on the website uh, of uh, give blacks guns under the partner page. They will not unless they give us some kind of discount rate of uh, <laughs> purchasing <laughs> on, on legal legal representation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I want to go back because. He said that there's a divide between the ruling political class and the people on the ground. This is what we've been saying the whole time for at least like the last four or five shows since you brought and the guys, I forget his name, but he talks about this, how it's set up. The system is set up not to empower black people because. That would be bad for business. <laughs> oh, Bob, what we need Bob, to do is Bob people, Woodson. Bob Woodson. Bob Woodson. Yes, this only lends to what Bob Woodson was saying. If you have black people, good citizens, black citizens, arming themselves, patrolling their own neighborhoods, you get rid of the need for police being called because you you know you're uh, protecting your own neighborhoods, and then two, you you stop being a victim because you can. Meet force with force if necessary. The political class is not trying to hear that. No, <laughs> it's like, no. That's, that's, that's totally bad for business. We need you to be victims. Mm-hmm. So I, I just wanted to bring that point up of that's why you don't hear black leaders uh, talking about it now. And that's why they high black leaders from the, from the past that talked about arming ourselves. Uh as we bring up several times on this show, are there any but, are there any big name black leaders who who advocate this message? Right now, you, you may say you have uh, I think it's Kalyan. Uh, I think Kalyan Noir, and he got uh, matched on uh, Torre um, with uh, Black Guns Matter. Uh, right. Another thing I want to point out is. 
We saw this come to a head in Virginia. We we brought this up. It's funny. Yes. I, I, we yes. always we're ahead of the game, things, <laughs> and it, boom, we, we go right back. back. Yep. Because they couldn't politicize that rally the way they wanted to because it was too many, too many black, black people. people. They wanted po- <laughs> too many black they people. They wanted to politicize it as a right, Klan they rally. They wanted to politicize it Klan. as a yeah, KKK, yeah, white, right, yeah, white Klan. nationalist. Yeah. But that's no good with uh, all these black people out here, you know, because I think once we get involved, right now you're seeing a lot of people get go heavy into it. Uh, not only being gun owners, but actually being activists. What what is uh, what I would add to that for the country? It is incredibly necessary that we have black gun gun owners out with other color gun owners, um, right? So that so that that so that it can't happen. So that the gun owners are not always vilified as crazy white nationalist uh, people who want to kill you. Because that was extremely effective, really, really good, and they couldn't make a shot. You know, they could not frame it to 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 filter them out. So that's really necessary. It's, a, it's a, we should really that's part of the GBG agenda. Yeah, and it, and it, and and also they couldn't demonize only black men. You know, owning guns or criminals. Exactly. So it goes. It, it works it, in it, so many ways. Yes, the the unity works. You know, saying in so many ways uh, that. I think the Second Amendment is a good building block to bridge these gaps. Wow. Because at the end of the day, black and white men want to protect their family. Black and white people, period, but men in general, because that's that we're the protectors, right? So, <clears throat> But that's a, th- uh, that's a very profound statement, that it is actually the Second Amendment, seen by many as a frightening, scary thing, that will that has the capability to bridge a lot of these divides. That's a that's yeah. a, that's a deep and, thought, man. I like that. And I've been to gun shows. Trust me, um, a couple. And I was a little apprehensive at first because my friend. I mean, he was like, um, "Hey, you know, you want to go to a gun show?" I was like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> "Who's gonna be there?" Just gonna be it's just right. Us? <laughs> I mean, right. Uh, but when we when we were there, it was like everybody was super nice. Like. Oh, let me show you this. Let me show you that. You know, this is the one you need over here. It's like, wow. Like, and I think <laughs> they were a, selling. A lot of those, they were selling. All right. Good. I, I don't even think it was selling. It was the kind of that thing. Like, we're glad that you're here. Oh, because good. Good. It, it takes that stigma away from us. Now, there was a corner that I wouldn't go into. I mean, let me, I'm just, I'm just keep, it, keep it 100 for everybody. <laughs> like down on the Civil War side, they, they had like... <laughs> Black, it was one black powder, black powder muskets and shit, and and Confederate right, I was flags. Like, and, uh, I was like, nah, I'm good. I'm gonna turn, I'm gonna turn, make it right, right here. Uh, so that element now, is there. Now, hold, I mean, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now because this yeah. is the show. This is the only place I can ask this, really. Yeah, so how did that please. make? How did that make you feel when you saw that at the gun show? Did, did, I mean, now you're a pretty level headed guy, so you just go like, ah, oh, yeah, of course those fuckers are there. Whatever. Or did it affect you deeply? You know what I mean? I'm just trying to get a little more than, than you, well, I turned I'll left. I'll say this. I'll say this. I was not surprised. I was surprised that they were segregated amongst the... I mean, it was like a one corner. Literally, they were in huh. one corner of the gun show. So they were in like fact... off them, in the back. So they were in fact themselves I, segregated. Interesting. 
Right. And I don't know if the other gun owners like put them back there. Like y'all are bad for business. Possibly. <laughs> and don't yeah. project the image that, that we want to have. <laughs> Which is completely um, true. Right. And um, was it, I mean, like I said, I was surprised that we're in such low numbers considering the messaging well, and the stigma that, it, that goes around it, these guns. Is it possible that that was, and I'm just asking because, you know, especially if they were yeah. small. Please, it, please do, you, ask. do you think that it maybe they could have been Civil War reenactment enthusiasts who were really into the guns of the era, or was this high end uh, killer weaponry they were they had in their little corner? No, I mean, it, it, it was it was a mix of both. Okay, I mean, because right, it was a club. All right, I got you. Then it was just a club right, who right. wanted Which, to have their thing. Can, can I right. say something about this whole monuments thing? Because I I don't really want to do a whole show, but since you went there, I'm just want to let people know my stance on the monuments. Thank you. The Civil War monuments, I think, are should come down, but not for the sake of race. I think it should come down because if you're truly patriotic, then those people that you're celebrating were actually terrorists by the, by by those same people definition. I know that's maybe a hot take, but I'm using the same people that support those people's definition of a terrorist. They went against their country and they lost. So when you lose, the renters write history. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just that's, yeah, that's just the, the way, way it goes. goes. Sure, sure. Uh, so, but what I don't like is we're picking and shoot. It's like this a moving target. It's like okay, Confederate. That's fine because there's a clear reason why they should come down. I mean, because they did go against the. I mean, the United States. Of course, yes. Now it's this mission creep. I have a problem with that they pick and choose what they want to keep and don't want to keep. And if it's the standard of it, if the standard is slave owners, then we got to rebrand the Washington Monument. Yes. I mean, it's this picking and choosing what troubles me. It's like, oh, yeah, we want to go out this, but not this guy, and this guy, and not this guy. Um, Now, I will say this. I, one, think black people should make Confederate flags and um, Confederate flags and mass production and give them away for free. That oh. way, at least you know who you're dealing with. <laughs> it's like, here, take take one. <laughs> <laughs> Mo, I can only handle one campaign at a time. We're already doing give you know give blacks guns. I mean, now I'm you want sorry. to do the flag? I'm no, no, I'm, no, 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 no. The reason why I'm saying this is, I, if it's who you are, that's fine. I'm I, that, this this kind of crap doesn't bother me. But I'm just saying that, and I, and I, I, I know I digress, but. No, I, 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 that, that's I my take on the that's I my take on the monuments. I, I, I right. appreciate. I mean, it. well, it's and the, living where I live at now, I understand the historical. Yeah, because you're in Virginia. So. Importance, right? I mean, I'm ground zero. Yes, you of are. Yeah. Civil War, and I never really got it because I was um, from North Carolina. It's not really celebrated like it is that they're here. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean. I, and I'm a big fan of lineage, right? So I can't knock those people for celebrating their ancestors, right? But at the same time, so what you're what you're saying is just fund it, just do it as a, as a timeline, and so this is this is what should not be there. It's better for everybody, right? From, I mean, if they want to have their own private thing museum, that's mm-hmm. fine. But I'm just saying, state mm-hmm. state funded is the. I mean, let me let me let me say that yeah. my tax dollars shouldn't go to to pay for those kind of things. Right. Well, and I and I I. I, I my my view my there. view is I don't like statues at all I like plaques personally and uh, I hope 
uh, one day there will be a plaque uh, of me just on a building. It's easy. You know, if you're pissed off, it's easy to take off. It's not a big deal. It won't look too cool on TV, so no one will notice. Um, but I don't like uh, destruction of anything. So I don't mind if we sit down and say, hey, okay, let's let's talk about it. But this uh, just letting people go around and tear shit down. No, I'm not for that. Now, let me let me let me let me say something about that, too. I totally disagree with that. It should Hmm. be done in some kind of order, which I will say, just auction them off. Oh, yeah. There's a a lot of ways. There's a lot of ways to do it. Yeah. Melt them. Melt them down. I'm sure there's big money. Mo, I've got it. No, 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 no. Yeah. We melt them down and make (laughs) guns out of them. Come on, man. You know what's coming. Melt melt the statues. Give blacks guns. And here's an extra flag. But yeah, just like I said, I think you should auction them off. That that would be my solution. Oh, I, like, I mean, I know we went on a I went on a, on a tangent there, but and I have I've missed um, you. We haven't spoken for two weeks, so we have to go on tangents. I know we got, yeah, because <laughs> a lot's been going on. But yeah, I guess yeah. we're at stigma four. Yes, here we go. While the number of people overall who own guns has dropped in recent years, gun sales are actually up. And experts speculate that means more guns per person. Reynolds keeps his collection carefully locked. He says his eight-year-old daughter doesn't even know it exists. I own revolvers, semi-automatic handguns, shotgun, AR-15, and a regular semi-automatic rifle. And yet, despite his commitment and passion for firearms, Reynolds worries about ever having to use his guns for their intended purpose. My biggest fear is that if I ever, God forbid, I ever have to use my firearm to protect myself, and the cops arrive, is that they think that I'm the threat and I'm fired upon. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a real fear. Oh, yeah. No kidding. That is a legit fear, um, especially of mine. Of Uh, course. Just the odds of it. I mean, I know, like I said, a lot of policing goes off for statistics, and it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> there is no Especially doubt. If at, there's no doubt, Mo, at a crime scene, and I think lots of cops I know would agree. the The white man with the gun will look less suspect than the black man holding the gun, even if it's just by it's your best- side. It's, it's just it's especially that, if the assailant up, is is a white guy. If the if the assailant is a white guy, oh yeah, the, the, shoot him. It's uh, no and one, he and, land on the floor bleeding. Yeah, and I think most people would be confused. The, what am I supposed to think here? Because the, that's the how we've been programmed. And this, we've been programmed that and, way. And that's why Hollywood is a big problem. We really that we need to get to the root of, I am, of this I image, am, I imagery. Am, that is this is so good. We're, I mean, man, we're only not even halfway through. You're already getting me. This is so. <laughs> this is good. This is something we can actually campaign for. Don't bullshit me, Hollywood, with your "I'm a, I'm sorry, I'm ashamed," whatever video they did. I I will take responsibility. No, it should be I will make sure that there are positive role models who are black and packing. In my movies, in my TV shows, because it's it's violence is a part of our entertainment culture. I'm I'm on board with this, and no one can say that it's a dumb idea. And it's just and Black Lives Matter, and it shapes. <laughs> and like I said, it shapes <laughs> it shapes my mind. Cause, I mean, it shapes minds because it shaped my mind at a five or six year old with seeing a black positive role model with a gun. So yes, it's good for public health. Negative, it's good for public right. health in general. Hollywood, because, do your part. Yeah, Hollywood, kid, do yes. your part. Kids, kids emulate that stuff. And if there's a good guy, you know, they may even have more respect for what's going on. I don't know. It's it all depends on the writing. But we don't have any of it now. 
Excellent point. All right. And as we always do, we <laughs> always have to go Let's back. dig a little deeper. <laughs> Let's find out where it's get, coming from. And get into some history. And this is the racist history of gun control. Gun control in the U.S. has racist past and present. In fact, most gun control laws throughout history were aimed at preventing black people getting their hands on guns. Here's how. As early as the 1600s, colonies in the states were passing laws that prohibited African Americans from possessing arms. But then the Second Amendment came along in 1791. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Many Americans interpreted this to mean that they, as individuals, had the right to carry guns. Meaning every individual right? Wrong. Having been emancipated after the Civil War, southern states passed laws known as Black Codes in 1865 and 1866. Among other things, those laws disarmed former slaves in order to sustain white control. In fact, African Americans were already at a disadvantage. They lost their right to vote in many states because of poll taxes and literacy tests. Exploiting many people's inabilities to read and write, states could further impose gun restrictions. Yeah, and and I guess, of course, it's unconstitutional, but when states start doing that crazy stuff, it gets really hard, especially if you don't have, like, email. You know, <laughs> in the 1700s, when you got to nip this in the bud, that was tough when the states were doing that kind of crazy stuff. So this is when they brought in the black codes, and that yep. a part of the black codes was establishing who was black and who wasn't black, and that goes back to the one-drop rule. Oh, uh, so... This is when we started creating the two the two classes, which races in America at when the beginning was really a class system of blacks, coloreds, and then you had whites, right? I mean, the same kind of stratus stratus um stratification that you have in South America. I mean, in South Africa, excuse me. Yeah. But then they just lumped everybody as like, oh, you're black. I mean, if you're not <laughs> pure, uh, you're you're black, and then that entailed taking guns away even though you had a lot of armed men at that time that were black men that even fought for both sides of the civil war so and even they had to give up their guns right you had to give up your guns which on top of all that that took a food source away from you yeah because i mean you were agriculture based and no hunting so it's like not only can I not have a gun to protect myself, I can't even feed myself and my family. <laughs> and, and, uh, and that's where collard greens came from. Yeah. and it, <laughs> <laughs> <They're> hungry. <laughs> so what are we going to eat? Right. <laughs> so we see that this racism, uh, this racist history goes back way before uh, civil rights. Oh, yeah. Uh, but still, after, after the emancipation is when the crap really started. I mean, that's when they legalized it. This, that's systemic. Hello? Yes. And that's another example that you can point to when people say, what is systemic racism? You can, yeah, <laughs> you can point to 1700s. This, uh, yes, exactly. 1790. So I guess let's go ahead and get into uh, racist history part two. Now fast forward a century to the 1960s. That's when the leaders of the civil rights movement made clear that the need for self-defense still existed. In fact, Martin Luther King Jr. applied for a permit to carry a weapon and was denied. 
But in uh-huh. California, gun control legislation was aimed at preventing groups like the Black Panthers from arming themselves against police. Right. In response, 30 armed Black Panthers marched on the state capitol to protest the legislation in 1967. Not long after, then-Governor Ronald Reagan signed the Mulford Act, prohibiting open carry of weapons in public places. The following year saw the Gun Control Act of 1968, signed by the then-President Richard Nixon. The law banned Saturday night specials, which were the cheaply made handguns associated with crime in minority groups, <laughs> meaning black communities. Both of these laws were passed by Republicans and supported by the National Rifle Association, one of the most powerful anti-regulation gun lobbies in the USA. The organization continues to advocate for gun owners, though many have criticized the NRA for failing to speak for armed African Americans. So the beautiful thing about this show, hold on to that, Mo. Okay. Is that it triggers things from my childhood that I can now put into perspective. She just mentioned the Saturday night special. And the Saturday night mm-hmm. special is is a you know, it's a it's a very inexpensive, uh small, snub nose, um I I guess it's uh, often it's, it could be 22, maybe 30, maybe, I don't know if it's 38. 38, usually. 38, 38, usually, 38, right? 38 yeah. ACP. So, um, but it was very cheap. So that's what uh, poor people could afford. And yep. I remember hearing, oh man, oh, oh, what, what, did, oh, he got, he had a 38 special. Yeah, those are really dangerous or outlaw. There was something as a kid, as a kid, and this is, you know, when I was maybe six or seven, maybe a little older, I can remember. Oh, Saturday Night Special. Oh, shit, man. That's bad news. Whoever has that is bad. That's what I... And that's the fucking programming right there. <laughs> and I'm just, just not putting it Are together. You- that's fantastic. Of course it was intended not to give poor people guns. In this case, blacks. Yeah. Fuck. And like you said, the, the Saturday Night Special was... that The term itself was negative. Which it, Saturday really was night. Just, <laughs> right. It was... <laughs> Wait, it when, was just when a, a way happen? of protecting yourself. Uh, so the earliest known use of the term of Saturday Night Special in print is, is 1968 in the New York Times. Uh, in a front page article titled Handgun Imports Held Up by U.S. Cheap, small caliber Saturday Night Specials that are a favorite of holdup men. <laughs> <laughs> so they were trying because they were I guess they were imported some of them. So they wanted to, yes, they were German. So they wanted to stop them from coming in because, you know, that's only for bad people. You know, you know what we're talking about. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right. Wow. And she also brings up the NRA again. Um, and even Martin Luther King, uh, we're going to get to the NRA. So, I mean, we, I'm tabling that. Right. But she brings up Martin Luther King even applied for a. Um, and was denied. Yeah, he was denied in the state of California. I not I don't think I probably in Georgia. I would I would assume. Okay, uh, but it's it's just amazing that this narrative of black people not wanting to protect themselves, or I mean, in the civil rights and that kind of thing. But it's, it's, one of the more people famous for so, <laughs> one of the more famous people, and we always. I know we play a lot of him on this show, but it can't be enough. What I like to do is counterbalance the the well known narrative to what the counter of that thinking was at the time, and he was the voice of this, and that was Malcolm X. And I have a couple of clips on him about self defense and gun rights. You have called for self defense units, rifle clubs, oh, yes. ready to execute on the spot those who threaten Negroes. 
I don't think that I said that. Yes, you did. No, I don't think I said that. All right. I have called for rifle clubs that I think Negroes should, uh, in areas where the police, whether it be federal, state, or city, have proven their inability or their unwillingness to defend Negroes, the lives and the property of Negroes, then it's only intelligent and it's only right that Negroes protect themselves. And I have encouraged them to buy a rifle and a shotgun, which according to the Constitution is legal. For what? Not, not, not by a pistol or, not, or something like that, but a rifle or a shotgun, which is constitutionally le legal. For what purpose? So that at any time, <laughs> anyone makes any effort whatsoever to brutalize them or attack them or endanger them they should have something to defend themselves and in a country that spends i think 50 billion dollars a year for defense alone i'm shocked that uh, any uh, there's apprehension over negroes trying to do something to defend themselves you know a couple things one <laughs> Uh, I get so much feedback from producers and people around the world who say, oh, man, I love the Malcolm X clips because we only got Martin Luther King at school, which is the majority mm -hmm. of people. Um, and he speaks. I just this was a good quality clip, too. Um, well, I'd never mind. I'm sorry. Just uh, keep going because there's, there's like a million things I want to hear where, where you're going with this. No, because when he says we need to have rifle clubs mm -hmm. and own guns to protect ourselves. And even he knew, like, I'm talking about shotguns and rifles and not handguns. Yeah, he knew, he knew it was toxic to have the handguns. Right, because that, that probably was alluding to the uh, Saturday Night Special. Yeah. So he, he kind of put that stop there of, we're just talking about shotgun, long guns, right? Something that you can't conceal, something you can see coming. But what you start to see is the mindset of what happened with the Black Panthers that we talked about yeah. on previous episodes of them walking around actually with guns and interacting with police that was har har harassing black people. And now you see, I wanted to play these clips so you could get where they got that from. Another yes. mantra they lived by was by any means necessary. Sure. Uh, that came from him. What that means is not being violent with guns we're talking about protecting ourselves and it's, if you notice the interviewer which i didn't catch his name he kind of laid it out there like oh execute right on the spot and mac was like i didn't say that of course of course i was totally he just biased it off. yeah if he said it then you should you, you could have easily came back and said here's yeah, the quote it here it is day, right here's yes, the quote exactly but they they did that to muddy the water of all oh, scary black man with a gun. I mean, this is a, this is a real thing. And the, the funny thing is, is this growing up, all of the heroes had guns. <laughs> you had the, <laughs> right down to the, right down to the green army men. Right. G.I. <laughs> Joe, uh -huh, uh -huh. cowboys and Indians. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, all, everybody, they all had guns. And now it's, you know, uh, they use one a whole segment of society not to buy into the American mindset of self defense. I mean, that's what what America spends most of its money on defense. And even and even, so, and e yeah, and even <laughs> yes, a, 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 an armed country is a polite society around the world. Um, but even the kind of the sick fact that both of us were given, and I I didn't own guns until I lived in Texas, uh, but I'd certainly been mm -hmm. around them and, and, and had, uh, had used them. 
uh, range, etc. And just at Newton, it was a train. But in a sick way, if if you look at it with with today's uh, defund the police, uh, if you look at it through that lens, mm-hmm. is this now because you know what is happening? Well, uh, black men are being killed by racist white cops. Let's get rid of the cops. Let's put in um, social workers who are unarmed. <laughs> I mean, is, are they trying to get, are they trying to get rid of guns everywhere at this point? I mean, is is this an abuse to just to say guns need to go? Because look, here, here we have the peaceful the peace force coming along to resolve your your dispute. It seems like they're trying to get rid of guns and social workers. Because if you said, <laughs> hey, it's a win win. <laughs> no, because my mom's a social worker and it's like, well, she oh, was. I mean, now she's no, a, now she's now a I'm in trouble. Well, now I'm in trouble. And it's not, no, no, because what I'm saying is, I would never imagine. I mean, I, my mom was a social worker back in the 80s when they had the pager that you couldn't even have a number come across it. Oh, it just wow. rang. I mean, oh, really? You had to call, it to <laughs> you had to call yeah. in and get the message. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, yeah. that was the first time I saw a pager, but she would get calls from people that were suicidal. Yeah, all, all kinds kind of stuff. It's mental nuts. health issues. And, and my, from my perspective, I'm like, there's no way in the hell you're sending my mom out there <laughs> no. unarmed to deal with this person. No. That's a terrible idea, of but course. not thought. Well, we are we already know they're trying to do RoboCop, and I've heard you know I've heard that pop up several other places since I've said that. I'm not saying that they heard me say it. I'm just saying that it's being noticed. That of course, drones, RoboCop, corporatizing police. Yes, yes. Well, mm-hmm. that, that, yeah, as discussed on episode forty, I think. Yeah. So with Malcolm X, let's go ahead and listen to part two on him about self-defense and gun rights. Well, who will determine when the Negro is endangered? I think that if the government is concerned, instead of uh, being so worried about what the Negro is going to do, the government should stop dragging its feet and take the initiative necessary to eliminate the injustices that frustrate Negroes and drive them into a method of uh, defense such as this. You've said, Minister Malcolm, you have to expect the Negroes to rise up sooner or later. Oh, yes. What does that mean? Well, just the same thing that it meant in uh, South Vietnam and these other places where you find oppressed people. Uh, Sooner or later, they rise up against the oppressor. When the Jews were being uh, uh, brutalized in Poland, there came a time when they couldn't take it anymore, and they fought back. They didn't have too much to fight with, but they fought back. Uh, And I think every oppressed people, no matter how meek and humble they are, after you drive them so far, they're going to strike back. Oh, my goodness. I hope it's not. I hope it's not coming true. What's that? It's it's time to strike back. People will rise up. I think it's happening. People are tired. But let's 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 clear the air on that for one second. When he says strike back, and I want to put words in his mouth, what I interpret from that is the only thing black people want is the same rights everybody else enjoys. Of it's not like we want to, and that's, that's the biggest misconception is like black people are going to rise up, you know, and become, you know, the, the, the oppressor. You know, no, we just want to be able to, if we own a gun, we don't have to fear fearful if we're pulled over, if we're legally carrying a gun. We don't want to have to fear that if someone breaks into our house and we have to use our gun, 
that we're going to be seen as the, you know, as the assailant. Uh, we just want equality. I mean, and right. And, and let me say one thing. There's no such thing as equality. There's no, there's, there's not because I mean, that's not how societies work. I mean, either you, you know, you have, it's always going to be some kind of rulership. And you see that in the book, uh, animal farm, when yes. they got rid of the farmers and the pigs just became, uh, uh <laughs> and they were walking uh, the, around the and humans. dominant. Yeah. Right. So we're not, you know, it's not missed on us that you, you can't have real equality, but what we want is our rights to be equally recognized. And, and, and that word equality is thrown around, but that's what we want. My rights to be the same as your rights, Adam. You know, of course. And but uh, and, and that's the, misconstrued, and it's and it's played with this scary thing. Oh, they, 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 the black people got guns. You know, they're gonna. You know, it's like well, like we like the South African. Like we're gonna be killing farmers or something. It's like no, it's not right. It's, it's well, not what and, we're looking yes, for. And of course, you know, consider the source because that is truly the media message. Um, going back to the mid sixties, as we heard uh, in the Malcolm X interview. Mm-hmm. What you are absolutely correct in saying, so the rights are the same, but the culture is 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 messed up, and that right. that goes. So there's two things, you know. So how how do we? And I think it is training. There is absolutely better training to be done, so cops aren't killing people uh, because they're afraid of some image and stigma. There is, tra- and you can train that, and it becomes muscle memory, and that's possible. Um, yep. But you know, even in even in the military, there's friendly fire. People people kill their own guys all the time. Isn't you know, there's all kinds of shit happens. You, there's guns involved. So there's that is life is a risk. But you are so right, man. With the with the culture of that image, you cannot just tr- well. You can train quite a lot, but look at the training that's when the cop goes home and turns on TV. Which one do you think is going right. to be more effective? The one where you have cutouts that that show a black face and you, oh, don't shoot that right away, or uh, the uh, the many crime series on television on prime time and the latest movies, etc., where you're shown a, a very different image. That's stronger. And we know trauma based entertainment it cuts <sighs> both ways. Yeah, it does. It, it just doesn't go one way. So. Malcolm X was known for his self-defense stance, but I have a clip from this is a movie, so it is fictionalized in 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 a way, but it was a real sentiment of between these two characters. And this is from the movie Boycott, and this is a conversation between Bayard Rustin and MLK. What do you want? I'm here to see Dr. King. Nelson, who is it? Good evening, Mrs. King. Bayard Rustin. Bayard Rustin. Well, if Bayard Rustin is here, then I guess we've arrived. <laughs> Dr. King. Don't be blunt. You're straying from the principles of nonviolence. In what way? You're the leader of the nonviolent movement. And yet you have guns in your home and these armed guards outside. Let me ask you something, Mr. Rustin. Would you risk your family for a tactic? Nonviolence is not a tactic. Would you risk your family? Nonviolence is an ideology. I have it's an obligation to protect my family and defend religion. Well, the guns don't make me feel any safer. 
Ah, yes. Is this not the... We've talked about Bayard Rustin, have we not? Yes. And, yes. and, he, and he, he was the driver of MLK, the Greta of his day. Did you not hear what he just said in the movie? He said, we have arrived. arrived. <laughs> we yeah, have it, arrived. We, we have arrived. So That's that goes right. to show you who was doing the steering. I mean, just, of course, this is a movie, but it goes to show you a couple things. And I, I'm going to go a little, read it more into it than we maybe I should have. But you have one. This goes to show you that Bayard Rustin was dropped doing the steering mm-hmm. of MLK yes. up until some point. Two, if you notice, you have the LGBT representative, Bayard Rustin, mm-hmm. communist mm-hmm. Bayard Rustin, aligning with the woman against the black man, MLK, protecting his family. Wow. Yeah, because she was like, I don't, no, "The guns don't make me feel insane. How don't they? I don't. <laughs> what logic is that? Of you're in your home now. I can see if you're talking about walking up down the street. That's civil rights. I mean that that's their nonviolent. Uh, uh, what was nonviolent? Uh, disobedience. I think I, I, the civil, word civil, my civil, mind, but, civil disobedience. Civil disobedience. Thank you. That's one thing, but we're talking about inside my home. If you come inside my home, that's a whole different ball of wax. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't understand how that. Did you that scene from that movie really stuck with me? And I was like, "What? What's going on here? How can your wife not feel safer with the guns around?" Uh, but I mean, like I said, I, I'll leave that where it is. But now we want to get to some real history here. Mm-hmm. And this is the real story of Rosa Parks. <laughs> uh, yes. Also featured in the past on this very program. I love this. Yes. So as you can imagine, Elijah wasn't too excited about this new lengthy homework assignment that his dad had just given him. But he, he took it in stride and he came back after he had read it. And he was excited about what he had learned. He said, Dad, he said, not only was Rosa Parks not into initially into nonviolence, she said, but Rosa Parks' grandfather, who basically raised her and was light enough to pass as white, used to walk around town with his gun <laughs> in his holster. And people knew that if you mess with Mr. Parks' children or grandchildren, he would put a cap in your proverbial bottom, (laughs) right? He was not someone to mess with. And he said, I also learned that Rosa Parks married a man in Raymond who was a lot like her grandfather, right? He would organize, he he was was a civil rights activist, he would organize um, uh, events, and um, sometimes the events would be at Rosa Parks' home. And one time Rosa Parks remarked that there were so many guns on the table because they were prepared for somebody to come busting into the door that they were prepared for whatever was going to go down. That Rosa Parks said there were so many guns on the table that I forgot to even offer them coffee or food. <laughs> right? This is who Rosa Parks was. <laughs> I love that story. I love blowing people's minds with that. So she was all for protecting herself. MLK was all for protecting himself. But this goes to show you with the product of Rosa Parks and MLK. Mm-hmm. Yes. Totally different from the people. Right. Uh, and I just, this is just one, one quick point I want to make here. 
Rosa Parks was supported by the Communist Party. We, we've, we've laid that out on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, this is why I think communism, in a way, is appealing to some black people. Because they actually give you a way of defending yourself. You know, you didn't get this, oh, you know, we, we shall overcome, that kind of thing. It's like, no, we're going to arm ourselves and be prepared and be militant. So I think that's why you see interesting and today certain people gravitate towards that mindset because it's the protection, the self-protection part of it. Well, that, that's so, more, that's so less like Black Panther's era. And I, that's what I, the way I've <laughs> goggles, the way I've always felt no, no, no. It, <laughs> his, uh, you know, the, the Black Panthers. Um, and again, I think when I was very young, I had God, this is what I love about this show. I had very mixed messages. So Black mm-hmm. Panthers meant two things to me as a kid. One, uh, a badass group of people protecting black Americans. Mm-hmm. Two, Cleopatra Jones for some reason. I don't know why. But I, <laughs> whenever I think of the, the Black Panthers from that era, there was Cleopatra Jones on TV and she was a badass. By the way, she should kind of be in the, in the, in the category. She was a badass. And so those mm-hmm. things are convoluted in my head, but never really, um, of course, now I've, I've looked much more at history, but it never really came together what, what it really was, what really was going on. And of course, what was happening is that was very frightening to the ruling class. And I always want to give some logic behind that. Like I said, it's just the logic of how people can veer down the communist path from the black community. Because when your options are, don't arm yourself, <laughs> yeah. and, and everything's going to be all right, it's like, nah, that doesn't make logical sense. So when somebody starts talking to you about arming yourself and, you know, these things, if that's the, their lead in, I mean, even to the criminal aspect of it, think about it, right? I mean, because yeah. the criminal aspect is, here's a gun, protect yourself, you know? Uh, that's why people, I think, tend to gravitate towards those routes. Whereas why is it can't be, why can't you just be protect yourself at all costs no matter what right uh, and, and be capitalistic or de- you know saying democratic you no know, minded but those, those that option doesn't exist too much for the black man. no no um, <laughs> it's like you had to go to one extreme or the other so I got some throwback clips from forty one. Just to give some, because we brought it up a couple of times on the um, Mulford Act. Ah, yes. So I just want to get into that in the NRA so we can give some big background before we get into the NRA uh, currently. In early 1967, the Black Panthers organized armed patrols through the poorest neighborhoods of Oakland, California, an act that some call the beginning of the modern gun rights movement. We would get out of the cars. We would walk up to the scene. Those who had rifles would carry them in the open, clearly visible. We would stand at a, um, a distance where the police couldn't say they were interfering with their arrest or their detention of the individual and uh, make sure that uh, there was no brutality. The police were confronted by citizens who were not just voicing their opinions, but were armed. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and they said this can't stand. This is no this good. Can't stand. Whoa, 
<laughs> this is where your um, you got to call gun rights. Yeah, what are we gonna do? I mean, not gun rights, but uh, excuse me, uh, uh, re- restricting guns came from. Yeah. This is the birthplace. It's like scary black men with guns. Oh, we got it. We got to uh, do something about this. Yeah. And now the, I will and say this, the and proof you can is hear in the Mulford Act, absolutely. And hopefully from the first Malcolm X clip, you can see this is the manifestation of what he was saying when people are being accosted, show up and, you know, just show that you're, you're, you're force. Now I can see that it being antagonizing in a way. And I was make one change to that. Now I think with the power of social media and cameras, if you wanted to use the same tactic of if you see somebody being accosted by police, give the police room to operate, but cut your camera on, record right, it, right? Report, post it live. Don't interfere with their interaction. You know, you see what I'm saying? Don't interfere, right? Because well, they have a job to do. Well, in essence, that's but, what happened with George Floyd, of course. And and you saw how much attention it got. Very powerful. And I think if and I think if you start, if police understood that they were being policed, and this, like I said, this only goes to the 10, 20% bad apples and, you know, quote unquote bad apples in the bunch. But if they knew they were going to be on the constant surveillance and not all oh, my, my body cam wasn't on. Well, pushback. Every time. I got some pushback. Uh, yes. As a video professional, the mm-hmm. danger there is what happens with the video. So it's, I I love the idea and we have that. We do have a lot of citizen um, journalism or just in general, we have uh, uh, citizens who are filming what the police are doing. Often they're antagonizing the police. That's not, that's not going to be productive, but not everybody does that. The, the problem I have with it is it's not, it's shared publicly. The media picks it up and you can create a narrative from a banana peel. Of course. And that's that's the real problem. We need to be able and you know, and just the way the news media works and how and th- these videos many of them are licensed very quickly. And so, you know, so competitive news stations can't get them right away. There's exclusives and it becomes a valuable commodity. You see it on Twitter. Hey, you want footage? DM me mainstream media. You know, people are cutting deals and doing all kinds of stuff and then it's exploited. And then something that may have actually looked different in reality, because it very often is, or nuanced, is, mm-hmm. is, is going to basically condemn people on the spot. And, that, and that's a problem. Well, the behavior, how you change that is people need to stop rushing to judgment. <laughs> because we see these clips. No, I'm, I'm honestly. Yeah. Oh, of course. But- when, you see it, when you see a video and it starts at their interaction, <laughs> it's like something happened before that. Let me wait until I see the whole. And this, this is just to give people an idea. A lot of times, I don't do a show that week when something happens. Well, you got to wait. I wait to two see, or yeah. three weeks, yeah. let it play out, and then we could discuss in, and you know, and you know, in fullness, what what actually occurred. So that's changeable on the human part of us how we react because I, just as an example. We had this white couple standing out there with the AR-15. Mm-hmm. Uh, how that played out, right? I mean, nobody gave you the backstory. You just like white white couple points gun at Black Lives Matter uh, protesters, and I'm like, hold on. First of all, 
I ain't seen any black people out there. So we got to stop this, first of all. <laughs> we need to make a new rule. If it's not over 10% black people, you can't say Black Lives Matter protesters because that, that <laughs> in itself, <laughs> it, it's like, hold on. Uh, uh, I see a white guy pointing a gun at a bunch of other white people. Uh, right. What? It, no, because I mean, because like I said, I haven't watched very much news, but I mean, as you okay, well, well, so, on, but, so we're, but we're saying the same thing, and you're and I right. It's going to be very people can't adapt because they don't understand what's been happening to them, how how they are manipulated. I come from television. I know exactly. I know it's not that hard. The tricks are very simple, and they can catch anybody. Which is why I'll just say it here: it will be mm-hmm. a severe disappointment. And I believe an orchestrated one just before the election when, and remember this term, when the uh, George Floyd case has a very large possibility of being dismissed based upon evidence of excited delirium. I'm telling you now, even though everybody is saying horrible, I've seen it, it's no good, and I'm not disagreeing. But because there's no context in the story, it has not been discussed in the mainstream it's been discussed plenty other places. It is very, it is very dangerous to your career, your life, your health, your friends to bring it up. And I think that's partly, again, partly by design. But because there's no context, it's going to be a shit show when that comes out. And that's just a prediction because oh, I oh, think yeah, that's what's going to happen. So that's well, part well, of the I'll, problem the with, counter- with the video. Yeah. So my counter to your counter is I'd rather have more video. Of more angles. I'm all in. I, I agree. I, for the, and like I said, give cops their space to operate mm. because, I mean, you, you, they have to watch their six, right? I mean, they, I mean, that's just part of their training. Definitely. So, I mean, but instead of showing up with guns, first of all, I'm not a big show up in public with guns kind of person <laughs> because <laughs> that brings unnecessary attention to yourself. If you're packing, you don't need to let everybody know you're packing. I mean, if you need to use it, you need to use it. I'm not one of those people of, of making those public je- That's just me personally. Uh, so walking around neighborhoods with guns, I don't think that's a good idea. Because that can escalate terribly fast. But in lieu of guns, the second most powerful tool we have is the camera. So I'm just saying, if you want to take this approach. Do it this way instead of you're saying instead of showing up with guns. Cause I think they weaponize this tactic to <clears throat> feed right into what they want to do anyway, and that's restrict people's right to own guns. I mean, I I, I, I hear you, I hear you. Mo. I just I just I don't think the cameras will work. And there's also you know there's all kinds of bad things happen when everybody's filming everybody and drawing conclusions. It it it's just yes in a in a in a world where people are more aware of what they're doing and what is really happening mm-hmm. but not right now there's no way i i think yeah well and we'll have video it's not going to be less but i haven't seen it actually be helpful once um people get a hold of it it you know the first the first one to lie is the one everybody believes or the first one to create I mean, the narrative. So, but it so it it has a very big downside. Doing video, no, it, it is a re- you you're one hundred percent correct on one thing, and I mean many things, but one thing in the point you made is that there is a calculation to sensationalize something that was very benign, mm-hmm. just by where you start the video at, yes, and how you edit it. 
So I'm not, I, I'm, I'm, that's not lost on me. But I'm just saying, if you want to police your police in your neighborhood, this this is a way to do it. I mean, that's just that's just my point of view. Um, instead of showing up with guns, I mean, like that 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 could go real bad, real that, yes. real fast. <laughs> yes, that can be bad. Uh, but all, also that, I mean, that that also needs to change. But again, all the perception we've been talking about. Yeah. So I guess we can jump over 15. We can go to 16. So now we're going to get into the NRA for black people wants to get political. There's not a lot of black owned gun shops in the country. It's pretty rare. We didn't really realize we were that unique. It wasn't until about a year into operating the actual store that I sat down, got on the computer and realized, oh, my God, we're one of like five and we're the only one in California. Redstone Firearms is registered with the NRA. The organization has a tight grip on the gun industry, offering benefits to business owners like Geneva. Yet Geneva turned to another gun club for a sense of belonging. Its name? The National African American Gun Association, or NAGA. Some call it the NRA for Black People. <laughs> Shoot to the body, watch in the head. The Solomons are NAGA state directors for California. Shoot it ready? Shoot! Dr. Rashid Ivey is one of NAGA's newest members. I love what NAGA's doing and love how positive they were, how much they were really devoted to teaching people how to be positive gun owners and changing the stigma in our communities of gun ownership. Are you also a member of the NRA? No. Why not? The stigma associated with them is that they're race. It's a racist organization. Yeah. So, once again, I always said Malcolm X is a prophet. <laughs> Yeah. Here's here's your black rifle clubs. Yeah. Naga, N A G A. Um and the NRA is seen as racist uh for for multiple reasons uh because they do turn a blind eye to certain situations that you would think the NRA should be all over top of. But me being a logical person, I can understand that as well because a huge membership base of theirs is law enforcement sure i'm so, sure it is yeah i'm sure so they have to feed their base red meat <laughs> yes yeah. so, so certain cases they'll do a pass on but if you're for gun owners you should be for all gun owners uh so i guess we can get into uh the nra for black people part two naga is looking at possibly forming a pack mm-hmm why? I think it is selfish, at a minimum, not to look at other avenues to help our people. Are you going to be looking to endorse candidates or focus on issues? We're going to focus on issues. Well, there's some African-American men, specifically in certain parts of the country, they have a very difficult time getting a gun license for whatever reason. They don't have any background issues. They have clean credit. They have a good job. But for some reason, they get declined. We would like to be an advocate for those type of individuals. Are you concerned that if NAGA goes political, some white people are going to be afraid that it's the new Black Panther Party? I don't care what they think. Me neither. 
Why have a National African American Gun Association? Why not just join the NRA? Well, this is America, right? We can create any organization that we want. And why shouldn't we create an organization that we're prideful of, an organization that is focused on our community, an organization that is focused on education? Why not? Right? So I really don't care what anyone thinks. It's not about them. It's about us. If we focus on them, that's what they want. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this. Uh, I'm a big fan of women's uh, gun clubs, too. I think that they need a very different kind of uh, training. Yeah, because you need these specific groups, like the point you made about women. It's a different, you're starting at a different point for these groups. Mm. Like women is more about self-protection, balancing the physical uh, scale. Because, I mean, of course, I mean, of course you have some women that can take down men and I mean, vice versa, but mm-hmm. women are at a disadvantage. So owning a gun for them means something different. It means a freedom, right? Uh, owning guns for black people is more of a political statement. And it's very troubling because if you if you listen to this clip, she says, are you going to be in for candidates or issues? Yeah. Why would they be in it for candidates? <laughs> and And... and I, I, it was a clip, a piece I left out of it because it was just hard, so hard to clip it and leave it in. But she was like, really? Like, black people can't vote issues or <laughs> or, or bring up issues? Well, we have to be about you, the person? That perhaps, uh, uh, remember, media is always interested in the advertising money in election season. So it's, right. it's easier to funnel money if it's going to a person versus a cause or an issue. Um, mm-hmm. that's just going to be less advertising. That's why, that's why I think they only, the reporter only thinks that way. Pack. Oh, pack. That means money for a candidate. They don't really consider the, you know what? The reporter is probably stupid, underinformed. But it, but if that's the case, if you're voting on the issue, where is that money going to flow to? It's going to go to two, a, uh, candidate. Yeah. Uh, and that is, yes, absolutely. That goes on the Republican side more than the Democrat side. So now you have black people donating large sums of money to pro two A candidates. Oh, that's a that's, a, that's a no no. This whole thing, it's <laughs> a no no. Yeah, this whole thing is scary. And then you have black men standing up saying, "We don't care what they think." <laughs> exactly. I want people to understand the gravity of what's really going on here and what we're living through. We're, we're witnessing the political maturation of black people, of understanding our rights before, and embracing our before rights. Before our very eyes. It's a great I mean, just time. look at the, over the course of this show, the what's stuff happened? we started talking what's about. Happened? Yeah, what's happened in <laughs> right. under a year? It's, it's insane. But it's been prophesied by leaders prior to this, but now you have the ability to go back and listen to them. Not through sound bites, but actually and hear what they're saying yeah. and it's being and internalized it. and digested. And now you have it being materialized into something real. Um, and, and, and there and there you have some of the issues. You know, we, who are the leaders today? There is no leaders. Exactly. <laughs> the, and as you all, as I always say, we're school. We need to be a school of fish and like minded fish are swimming in the same direction. One, if you if you want me to believe that I'm hunted, then I need to have protection for myself. 
And I won't stand with a party that stands in the way of me protecting myself. Exactly. Now, so that's that's a real sentiment in our in our I'll say in my demographic of being a child rearing age black man. I will not be a victim and I will not let allow my children to be a victim moving forward. Um but let's get more into this double standard of gun ownership. He was trying to get out his ID and his wallet out his um pocket. We've all seen the video. He's pulled over for a routine. He's got a crack tail light. Um, he explains to the officer that he has a gun. And that, just that thought, changes the scenario. This man was a law-abiding citizen exercising his Second Amendment right, and he was killed by the police for no reason. There are no apparent reason, aside from what I believe the officer reacting because he was fearful. Clive Bundy, he had been on federal lands using it to graze cattle, and he never paid. He was actually, you know, shirking on his responsibility of paying the government. And then he was given a bill, and he refused to pay, and so he took this as an affront. And he challenged the, the federal government, and then people brought up uh, his on his cause, and they, they, they came to his ranch. They came to this area armed. I mean, they were threatening federal officers with high-powered rifles, but yet they were painted in the press as patriots. They were painted in the press as being people that had legitimate grievances with the government, and they were petitioning the government, right, by their lawful Second Amendment rights. If you were to flip that script and you had black folks armed like that, you have to imagine the outcome would have been very, very different. Wow. So, so yeah, and a lot a lot of things. Yeah, go, there. Go, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say I don't enti- I I agree with if you flipped it, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think the uh the Bundy case uh and Leviticus wound up dead. I mean, you might want to mention yep. that. Um No, no, I I I, I, yeah. I, I did, had no problem with the Bundys and how they handle things. Right, but the um the, but the the narrative of the what they say patriots was a little more like a bunch of crazy nut jobs in the desert. That's that's that was that's, the way that's it was how painted. it was covered to me. Unless yeah. you're watching Fox News, I mean that's the only <laughs> yeah, place, exactly. the only people that exactly covered them that way. But as we've seen recently in Michigan, when people got tired of the the Corona uh, lockdown, you saw white men come out of the house with long guns, uh, assault rifles, uh, and they were allowed to to you know uh, congregate. Without right. any issue. Right. Now, I'm not saying this. I'm from the school of I don't want to take away their rights, <laughs> which that's the Democrat solution is take everybody's guns. You know, <laughs> that's how we solve the problem. All I'm saying is. Imagine and I said that again, imagine if you had black men show up with long rifles peacefully. Right. And exercise their right to say, we're not going to take this anymore. We should have that same ability to exercise but it's not that's not the case i mean you that would have went down a little different what happened at the i think the state house in in michigan oh yeah that that, that thing would have played out a little differently Definitely. If, if the if the hues of the people were were different mm-hmm. uh but in this clip they uh they juxtaposition two cases that were going on at the same time the first one was the philando castile case now you have and this is one of the this before George Floyd, this is one of the most clear cut cases of officer misconduct, right? The guy told him, I'm a concealed carrier, uh, you know, I have a gun, blah, blah, blah. And then the cop gets nervous, shoots the guy dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the lady catches, I mean, his girlfriend catches him, which I, 
just as a small aside, the way she handled that and her lack of emotion, that, I don't know, that just, my spidey yeah, sense is un- off of that. Unbelievable, but, <laughs> yeah. Or, or something, something, I don't know, I, I, I won't even go there. But we saw that case. And the NRA came out and it's like, oh yeah, we got our eyes on it, blah, 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 but then nothing came of it. And that's when people started getting funky with the NRA. Like, hold on. No kidding. I thought you were for all gun, uh, I mean, gun uh, rights. I mean, all people's gun rights and gun owners. Why'd you kind of just not get, you know, involved in this case? Uh, well, we have some clips from BTN 11 and they, they try to answer the question. Why is the NRA silent on the Philando Castillo case? Tonight, we're going to talk about who isn't talking and how that silence is making a heck of a lot of noise. This is a story about Philando Castile and his Second Amendment right to bear arms, which he exercised legally. This is a story about who is talking about that and who isn't. This story is, is, is interesting because there's something different. And that is Philando Castile wasn't just a man shot at a traffic stop. He was a legal gun owner in a story of a man being shot because he was lawfully armed. You would think that one group, one powerful group in America would say something about this. This one group that you would expect to be losing their minds about this, the NRA. But for some strange reason, on this particular case, they've been completely silent. Trevor Noah piled on where the Washington Post left off publicly, asking the NRA why it remains silent especially after what the group said last year, two days after Castile was shot on July 8th, 2016. On that date, the NRA said, quote, the reports from Minnesota are troubling and must be thoroughly investigated. In the meantime, it is important for the NRA not to comment while this investigation is ongoing. Rest assured, the NRA will have more to say once all the facts are known, end quote. Yes. I never really delved into this at the time, although I'm fully aware of the story and very sad yeah. and very. And, and very they had a up. lot of, and they had a lot of shakeup, and I think this played a part in. Uh, I keep wanting to say Colin, but I know his name, Colin Noir. Colin Noir, yeah. I think this played a part in his separation from the NRA. Ooh, yeah. He he didn't mention that specifically, but that the timing would be about right. I think. Because this, this is a slam dunk case. You have a guy shot on camera, announced that he's a, a concealed, you know concealed carry, um, has a concealed carry license, mm-hmm. shot on camera, and the NRA came out to st- made a statement early on, but they didn't do anything else after that. So it's like, bro, like what, what's up with that? I mean, y'all are, y- are y'all not for us? Now, me logically, I understand what was going on. It's like, yeah, we're not going to take that case on because it might upset too many of our members. Yeah. That that's my that's my position. Uh, right? Did, no, did, did but this I understand. Get, did this get resolved? Because I I really don't know what the follow up was. Well, let's get into uh, clip twenty and see. Well, right now, NRA, all the facts are known. The case is closed. But this group, no matter the pressure from NOAA or the Twitter post demanding answers from its own members or even my inquiries, I've asked this question of the NRA twice without a response. Here's my email receipt to prove it. I've asked them why this group remains silent. 
the response? It's still silent. But I did find a gun rights group that wanted to speak. Here is the president of the National African American Gun Association, Philip Smith. I think it needs to be emphasized. It needs to be really pushed out there. This is a good guy who had a legal license to carry, but he was still shot. Um, those institutions or groups that don't want to talk about that, that's on them. But I know we're certainly going to talk about it, and our members are talking about it. Black folks in our communities across the nation are talking about it. Smith's group has 20,000 members. More than 1,000 of them are police officers. And Castile's case, he says, has dominated what they're talking about as it touches the Second Amendment, policing, and being a black man carrying a gun. It touches all of these at the same time. And Smith says all of his members don't feel the same way about this case, and that's okay. He says disagreement in the open air is a heck of a lot better than silence. Yeah. So the president of NAGA even makes the point of even if the NRA didn't felt like, oh, well, we disagree or kind of agree, say something, but they just kind of hid. Right. And that just fed more into this is not a group for us. No. <laughs> if people want to know, like, no. why don't you why don't you join the NRA? It's like, why? I mean, yeah, like, they don't seem like they care. It, they're not going to upset the apple cart over, you know, um, and that's just business. I understand it's business because at the end of the day, they represent the gun manufacturers. It's not the gun yeah. owners that they represent. <laughs> Uh, that's just my opinion and, and you know my perspective. Well, but. and you know what they they're lawyers. I mean, that's a lot of what they do is uh, is handle cases uh, for gun owners and for gun manufacturers. And of course, then there's the huge lobbying uh, component. I think it is worth just backtracking for a second and mentioning that the okay. Mulf- the Mulford Act, which effectively um it was the start of real gun control as we discussed for the black panthers that was ronald reagan that was mr ronald reagan who uh mm-hmm. who signed that uh into law at the time and uh and he was he was all he was all about it now there's no reason anybody should have a gun ronald reagan who is now heralded as some superhero he's responsible and I'm gonna for that top, and i'm gonna top that excellent point you made with you know who was a recent president in the NRA? Uh, until recently, until recently, just just as yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Well, can, well, there's a couple. It's all it's been all Hollywood guys. It was uh, Charlton Heston, but then uh, uh, go ahead. I'm I'm forgetting it. I'm forgetting who it was. Oliver North. Oh, Oliver, but he but there's some yes, Oliver North, and then someone else. So came Oliver after North him. was part of the. No, I'm just saying he was part of the Iran Contra scandal, right? Not totally corrupt. That flooded, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that flooded. That flooded the guns into California, into black communities. Yeah, they put him there. He just goes to, to jail, <laughs> gets out, and then he becomes the president in the NRA. Yeah, just in case they need to run the scam again, you know. He's, <laughs> Damn, no, I'm just saying, don't let sick. that be lost it's on sick. you. It's like, it's hold on. Sick. You're so right. A, a, a black man could go to jail for a nonviolent offense, lose his right to protect himself. Now he lives in a bad community, so he yeah. has to protect himself. He ends up carrying illegally. And that's yeah. what you're saying. That's a huge problem that needs to be addressed. But Ollie North comes out of jail. You know, <laughs> yeah. hey, boom. Not only done. does he get the old guns, <laughs> he gets to be the president the pre- of the NRA. Uh, the, the gun guru. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody sees a problem with this. I'm, I do. Hello. <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, 
I, I, when I saw that, I was like, Oliver North, president of the NRA. And then he got re, 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 relieved or resigned after some kind of other kind of scam. Yeah. Like, this guy just can't get right. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's, let's wrap up on the uh, Fernando Castillo uh, case. The NRA has 5 million members. It speaks out about major cases where guns are involved all the time. It does so to defend the rights of lawful gun owners. It's that fact that is raising the questions here. And those questions are going to keep getting asked of the NRA louder and louder while that group chooses to remain silent. I think the big thing that sticks out for this this particular case, Rena, is not that the NRA has has just said nothing entirely, but that it said it would say something. Right. And then it's not saying anything. And I really agree with what Mr. Smith said there. It doesn't matter what mm. you say, just say something. Right. Because this dialogue is open. People need to hear from you. And again, not the first time they would be saying something about this particular case because no. they said something a year ago right. when it That's happened. An, so, it, yeah. so why not now after the verdict? No idea. I, I haven't even gotten, I mean, other than a verified receipt, like nothing like we're working on it, nothing like that. And obviously I'm not Trevor Noah or the Washington Post. They haven't gotten anything either. Right. Well, it'll be interesting to see if they do finally come out, how long it takes them and what they do finally say, because now people really will be paying attention. Totally. totally. Yeah. And, and what, what uh, news program or network was that from? That was BTN 11. I think it's based out of, uh, I want to say California, if I'm not mm, mistaken. Okay. But it's a local, it's a no, local news station. Yeah, because, just, because you, these stories really, they just, you know, it just died away. There was this really no accountability in the media for the NRA and the media hates the NRA, but I think we're seeing why. <laughs> I think we're seeing why they don't go but, after him for that. It's just amazing that nobody took that low hanging fruit and like, you know, try to press the NRA, but. You don't want if you're the Democrats, you don't want to press them too hard, and then they actually do something for black gun owners, and then you have more problems. So it's like, but this is actually we're this, both just like this looks like some actual systemic bigotry or racism or classism, whatever you want to call it. This is very systemic. What's that? It is the National Racist Association. If you look at it that way. I mean, obviously, and, no, because not everyone who's a member is a racist. No, no, no. And, but what and, they're but, doing well, is, is not, not right. But you have to understand the logic behind it. Yes. And that's why I don't get emotional over these things. It's that, all right, okay. And this is how I think the, the calculation goes. They're like, all right, look, we could pick up 10,000 more black members, but we'll piss off uh, 100,000, yep. uh, 50,000, 100,000 car carrying uh do do dues paying members that we already have it's not worth it you know that 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 orange is not worth the squeeze but but doesn't it go even further mo doesn't it go straight to the heart of that none of the elites really want poor people uh and black people with guns isn't it i mean open carry texas You're trying to disarm me illegally. I'm going to disarm you. Illegally? No, sir. Am I threatening you? Once I find out there's no issue, then we're going to... Am I doing something against the law? Am I doing something against the law? Back in March of 2013, I was hiking with my son. I had a rifle on me, as we always do out in the country. And a police officer came up because somebody had called the police about a man walking down the road with a rifle. 
And so halfway through our hike, a police officer shows up, doesn't tell me what he's doing, uh, doesn't have his lights on. He asks, what are we doing? I told him we were on a hike. He asked me why I had my, my gun on me. I said, because I can. It's perfectly legal here in Texas. The officer pulled his gun, threw me into the car, and I began rolling my video camera. And from that, um, Open Carry Texas was really born because I recognized a need for education, not only in Texas, but within our law enforcement departments about our open carry laws. Is this like you have any more guns? I do not. Yes, I do. I have a 45 on my side. On my left side. Yes, I have a concealed carry permit. So I was arrested on March 16th, 2013. And we had our first rally June 1st, and it was just a couple days after that um, that we registered the name Open Carry Texas and began sort of building um, this organization from the ground up. Yeah, I've heard I've heard of the organization, uh, but I had no I hadn't heard of whatever just happened here. That's uh, that's there's a there's a white guy or black guy. White guy. Yeah, okay. Of course. I mean, come, come, Curry. Curry. Well, I mean, he, he's still alive. Is that what you're saying? He was, he's, he Hello? was, but he, he was getting harassed. He was getting seriously harassed. No, he was getting harassed, but I'm just, I got your point. This is the, this is the equal rights we're talking about. Mm-hmm. If we're being accosted with a gun, we should be able to say, Hey man, what you doing? I mean, absolutely. I'm, I'm, absolutely. Now you see, we don't want anything above and beyond anybody else. We just want to have the same ability to push back. My, hey, my, my point is that shouldn't be happening at all. The harassment the cop was dishing out there. That shouldn't have been happening to start with, no matter well, who it go is. Step, we got to go step, <laughs> step by, by step. step. Okay, well, I'm... I'm <laughs> all right, We at least want right. to be equal, equally... I'm just saying push back on the equal harassment. <laughs> okay. I got you. I got you. Because that goes to show you that both gun owners... I mean, gun owners themselves are being harassed. Yep. Across the board. Yes. It's just that that tone he had with the police officers wouldn't fly. No, no. Yeah, I totally get you. And he had like the AR, like I don't know, like the the rest. I'm not a big gun person, so you know the one that it rests on your chest. Yeah. Uh, he had that, and then he had a sidearm. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he and he was getting jiggy with him, like, "What do you, what you doing?" You know, like, yeah. back up off me. Yeah. You know, that was not that would not fly, happen. Which, yeah, I agree. And I'm not calling. I'm not going to be one of those people. Well, they should shot him dead too. No, that's the wrong. <laughs> it's not that's, productive. That's you, it's not productive, right, people. Not, you're going the wrong way. Yeah. No, you, every citizen has, should have a right to say, "I'm only exercising my right. Leave me alone." Uh, so I just want to show you that I'm just amazing that you asked that question, and I can answer it with a clip. But I have. The police chief of Austin, Mr. Art Av- Acevedo. Uh, well, he he's, Acevedo. We kicked him out. He's now the police. Okay. He's now the police chief in Houston. How's that this, going, this, Houston? <laughs> well, this clip was it's from a while this clip ago. Was from 2013. Yes, yeah, yeah. So okay, I'm ready. Here we go. I, I just want I want you to hear <laughs> how flawed his logic is. You know, we used to have the wild, wild west in the United States. Everybody had a gun. Well, there's a reason that we came in, moved away from that, right? And just uh, with mental health issues, with a, a city of this side that's almost a million folks where law enforcement doesn't know who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. 
uh, now we shouldn't go back to the past. You know, the Second Amendment gives us the right to bear arms and talks about a armed militia and everything else. But sometimes people forget. They want us to forget that there's a second piece to that amendment that talks about well-regulated. If you're going to have open carry, understand that you're making yourself a target of a violent criminal that may decide, yeah, I like that 45 with the chrome handles. I think I'm going to just walk up from behind, hit that man in the back (laughs) of the head, and take that gun. With the standard being common sense and good judgment, does it make sense and is it good judgment to have a bunch of people running around with guns visible? And I think the answer is absolutely not. Yeah, look at the mess that Houston's become since Art Acevedo took over there. And what the heck? It's dangerous to have open carry because you might get robbed of your gun. Wow. (laughs) Obviously, he doesn't understand how criminals work. Criminals look for the... The weak, the weakest. He's not gonna go it's for like, the guy with the oh, chrome yeah, handle Colt. <laughs> yeah, that guy with the forty-five. He's like, oh, I want that gun so I'm bad. I'm risk my guy. life to get it. <laughs> that was by that's that, a good clip, man. That's clip worth. That's nice. <laughs> I like that. By that, by that logic, gun stores will be getting robbed every day. I mean, yeah. If you, it's there for the taking. <sighs> I just wanted to play it. That's that's Austin for you. I mean, I'm not now, but that was no, that was no, the, no. The, you're my, no, you're sadly, uh, you are right. The because Acevedo's a politician. I don't consider him to be mm-hmm. a, a a great police officer. I don't know his whole career, but I met him, and he was more interested in doing celebrity fashion shows where he was also walking in the fashion show for a good cause. Granted, but come on, man. Now this guy's a politician, and he's full of crap. And he's not here anymore, yeah, just, but Austin is in trouble. Believe me, we have issues. So I just wanted to show you the logic of <laughs> against gun uh, uh, open carry is that somebody might steal your gun. Okay. Just be careful. Uh, Austin is not exactly representative of all of Texas. <laughs> no, no, yeah. That was that, that clip just, I was like, what? It's very <laughs> irksome. I'm very embarrassed by that clip, actually. It's very so, bad. Before I unveil MoFax Law, I want, let's get into thanking some people. I, I like new money. I don't know if you do, but I, I hate old money that's wrinkled and dirty and got all the diseases on it. <laughs> I like new money. And when I give, um, when I give things to people, I like to give stacks of money. It's fun. You ever had a stack of new money? Mm, it smells so good. You have it? Have you? A little stack. A little, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I I made you know the big stack where it was brand new. And I like brand new money. I just I don't want any money around me. Is not. I'd almost rather have a, a new one than a brand than an old twenty. Now, that's kind of dumb. Isn't it? But there's something about new money that excites you. You like hundred dollar bills? Oh yeah, I like oh. new money too. Oh. The most beautiful thing on earth is a $100 bill. I hadn't seen a woman as good looking as a $100 bill. There's something about a $100 bill that excites you. It's so exciting, everybody. Yes, it is time to thank some of our producers for episode 42 of MoFax with Adam Curry, which we operate under value for value. You heard us talking about it earlier. And um, value for value is a very simple concept. In order to be able to create this content, which is almost by definition unsponsorable, 
and uh, it would be impossible to have the kind of conversation discourse we have. And we, and by the way, sometimes we say really dumb stuff. I certainly do, uh, or say stuff that can piss someone off. That's not going to happen with a, with any other model than people participating, helping us produce this, and that includes the financial uh, support. And we do have some people that we want to thank who've definitely helped us out uh, for today's episode, starting with our top executive producer, uh, Dwayne Melanson, who gives us the uh, magical sequential numbers of $234.56, 23456. And uh, I know he's been aware of the show because uh, I know Sir Dwayne. He says, finally got around to listening and wow, he says, love the show. Keep up the great work. The Tupac analysis was eye-opening. I heard a lot of people about that, Mo, about Tupac. So many people um, that I know really only mm-hmm. knew Tupac as, oh, I say like, yeah, gangster, you know. And by the way, I was thinking about that. It really puts Kamala Harris, the liar. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, was, I was in school <laughs> smoking a J, listening to Tupac. If you really listened to Tupac, lady, you would have not taken the action you did as district attorney. I totally agree, <laughs> but I can only say that now after the fact because you, uh, you, I'm hip to it now. And uh, thank you, uh, Dwayne. John Lucas uh, comes in next with two hundred twenty-five dollars and ninety cents. Gentlemen, I recently received a refund for tickets for uh, to the COVID canceled Tool concert here in the Springs, in Colorado Springs. Uh, rather than put my money back into the entertainment budget, I moved the funds to the newly created Enlightenment account. I love this. I would have gotten two, maybe three hours of entertainment at the show, but have already received more than 40 hours of enlightenment from the MoFax episodes I've listened to so far. What an amazing value. Thank you for what you're doing. I think it's very poignant and important work, especially considering everything that's happening in the world right now. Indeed, John. Thank you very much. And that that is the exact way to calculate how you support the show. It can be done in many mm-hmm. ways, but it, hey... I was going to do this show. It would have been three hours of entertainment. I think this is equally as valuable or more so, and I'm catching up. Sven Holstella. I'm not sure where Sven is from. Uh, could be from some European country. One, two, three, four, five, another sequential magic number series. Uh, says, thanks for the educational journey and the one, two, three, four, five logic. I'm going to attribute that to you, uh, Mo. Your logic. One, two, three, four, five. Alejandro, I'm sorry? No, I say sequential. Uh, very sequential, <laughs> yes. Sven, by the way, was our uh, first associate executive, uh, executive producer. Um, we have, I'm sorry. No, these are still executive producers with 100 level. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Alejandro Alocer, Al- Alcocer, I believe you pronounce it. $100 from Alejandro. Um, Adam and Mo, thank you very much. Getting caught up on the show. Just listen to Opportunity Zones. Oh, this is one of our first ones. Perfectly mm-hmm. described what I've experienced in Nashville over the past five years. The surge property values and subsequent purge of longtime residents absolutely corresponded with 2017. Also made a connection in episode two, Nudge Machine, about campaign contributions and returns in California. My original home that I was purged from. Republicans Mm. have quit trying there. Democrats feel no need to try and the CCP as the Chinese Communist Party, have invested massive amounts of money in the media industries and are absolutely seeing returns for their investments. It's like a campaign. As example, I noticed the Watchmen series, an HBO production, became free to stream on Hulu for Juneteenth. 
Having been a fan of the graphic novel, I turned, I tuned in and was surprised that the story is a complete departure from the original. Spoiler alert! It features a black woman fighting a white supremacist group, a.k.a. rednecks, apparently. The police are hated and have to wear face coverings. Does it sound familiar? And the logo is mm-hmm. eerily similar to the BLM yellow and black. The creator is also uh, of this also made the movie The Hunt, which Trump criticizes being made to inflame and cause chaos. Not a big uh, fan of Trump, but that sounds familiar as well. Give, it gave me the creeps. Definitely re- recommend watching the first episode. We've talked about this, and uh, we will probably do uh, more about uh, that series moving forward. Thank you, Alejandro. Theodora Doringa on, 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 Onenga, Ojena, I think. Theodora, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. $100, hi, Mo and Adam. I found you through the Joe Rogan Experience and No Agenda podcast, and I've been hooked ever since. Uh, welcome, citizen. I started to listen to the older episodes, and I already have learned more on your podcast about history than all of my years in school. Thank you for all you do, and please keep on going. Greetings from Austria. Ah, danke schön und grüß Gott. Um, can, can, can I go back one one letter about the hunt? I just yes. want to make one small point. Sure. When I saw the imagery of that white guy with his AR-15 mm-hmm. outside his house, pointing at this quote-unquote yes. Black Lives Matter, yes. the hunt was what popped into mind when I saw that. Totally. I, I just, totally. <laughs> totally. You're absolutely right. Hunted by white people. No, 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 no. The other way around. The hunt was about the conservatives being hunted. Yes, I know. That's what I'm saying. But in, oh, yeah, in this yeah, case, yeah. these oh, yeah, conservatives yeah, yeah. were being hunted by white people, no, they, white they were, conservatives. They were Black Lives Matter. What I'm do you mean? sorry. <laughs> yes, no, I know. I don't know what I'm talking about. And they would threaten. You know, they, they're they're getting sued. Those two because they pointed a gun at someone. Wow, I know, Outside right? <laughs> well, we are going to get into a very interesting uh, area as to what constitutes defending yourself and you know some very unpopular laws pop up like the stand your ground law so there's Mm -hmm. there's a lot of uh, a lot of weight on uh on defending yourself and i think we'll see a lot more of that in the near future you know what can you do are you allowed to say here's my gun can you show your gun i mean i'm not a believer of that i'm like (laughs) if my gun's coming out it's probably going to go off at someone because i'm very very restrained I don't think threatening is a good idea. And just to say that, that is the, speaking of black gun rules, that's like rule number one. If you pull it, you better use it. Yeah. I think that's a a good rule in general. Yeah. So that, that, that is a rule. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So Theodora, thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm glad that you found us in Austria through the Joe Rogan experience and the no agenda podcast. And I hope, and I really, I'm, it's very flattering what you're saying about uh, learning more. And I, and by the way, me too, just so you know. Uh, Matthew knows $100, but no note. Thank you very much, Matthew. And our uh, we have an, uh, our final uh, executive producer is Lisa Leslie. Also did not see a note from her, uh, but $100, and we really appreciate it, Lisa. Then we have our associate executive producers. And these, by the way, get listed uh, on the show page for every single uh, MoFax episode that we do. We have our executive producers and associate executive producers and uh, we're proud to, to put their names there as having supported this episode. And, of course, you really support the entire project. Daniel Hollingsworth, $66.33, which is the official MoFax dial pad donation. 
<laughs> so I guess he started with M-O-E-F, uh, stopped at the A-C-T-Z, and that is 6633. So we'll take it. This donation puts us at equilibrium of value, echoing back to you the positivity and love, says Daniel. Thank you very much. Uh, also, executive producer Andrew Pan- Panabianco who uh, sends us $60 and a penny and says, Adam Moe, I just started listening. Uh, I'm a No Agenda listener and a measly $5 a month subscriber subscriber to the same. I did not glom on to MoFax immediately, but was drawn to donate after hearing the email read from Travis. The $60.01 is for my dad, who passed away this year on uh, the 1st of June, 0601. Much love and take care. Oh, sorry to hear that, Andrew, and thank you very much. I think the email from Travis, wasn't that Travis with his daughter? Yes. Yeah, that was a beautiful email from the last uh, episode. You got a lot of and comments And there are no that. measly, there are no measly There's no, no such so. thing as measly. I totally agree. Yeah. It, it, and value, man, that could, you could be working a, a month for that. That's incredibly valuable to you. That's the magic. Don't to tell right. you what value, what value is. And, mm-hmm. and nor do we tell Jacob Smith who brought us uh, 5555. He says, my wife and I live in Seattle. My wife has a Jamaican dad and a white mom. She's light-skinned and has always felt caught between two worlds. When George Floyd was killed, Instagram blew up with virtue signaling. Her friends texted her and asked her how she was doing. (laughs) They they Venmo'd her five bucks. (laughs) Uh, They meant well, but she became confused on how to respond. This wasn't her fight, and she didn't know what to do. After listening to one of the excellent podcasts you two have produced, she was smiling and laughing instead of being bewildered and angry. We've been binging all your binging, binging. We've been binging all your shows since this show is invaluable to our mental health as a husband and wife. Thank you so much for everything you two do. We are selling our condo and buying a new home this summer. May I ask for uh, a bucket full of Mo Karma, please? Yes, of course you can. You've got Mocom. <laughs> I love that. Thank you, Jacob. I'm I'm glad uh, I'm glad this is uh, helping in any it's way. Notes like that. It it's is the, it is like the that. notes like that, man. Absolutely, because there's so much confusion. Richard Sposto, fifty dollars. Also, uh, associate executive producer. He says, and he's from Hiroshima in Japan. Outstanding show. Thank you very much. Nadia Borg, $50, says, Hey, Mo and Adam, my husband Brandon and I have listened to every episode since the MLK one. I can't thank you enough for making this show and coming together with different perspectives. It's inspired me in so many ways, and it's refreshing to hear people of different races have a lighthearted yet deeply meaningful discussion with one another. Even at my grumpiest, I hear you guys joke, and I can't help but laugh along with you guys. Mo, out of the kindness of his heart, has even been my personal therapist from time to time when I've had trouble contending with victim mentality amongst my girlfriends mo i just want you to know that i appreciated that and think back on your advice often keep it up boys did you do a private session for illuminadia i i I answer all my dms i love that the doctor is in (laughs) (laughs) you know that is but it's you know trying to cut back on that that is an important part of this of of being a producer and the interaction because that interaction that you had with nadia is is helping us produce a better show yeah targeting it's 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 a it's a loop it goes you know we put it out there they give us feedback and then we feedback to their feedback and just 
it's it's you know it's a nice little cycle we have going here. Definitely. Fifty dollars from Gregory Kierdock. Dear Mo and Adam, thank you very much for your insight and work that goes into the podcast, says Greg. Malcolm Allen, fifty dollars no note, and that wraps up our associate executive producers. We thank them very much. And uh, they will receive the credits, which are real credits. You can put these credits anywhere. Credits are recognized and appreciated. You can say that you are an executive producer or associate executive producer of the MoFax with Adam Curry and episode number 42. You don't even have to put that on there, the 42. It's a kind of, it becomes a long sentence. Yep. <laughs> but, but you get the idea. They're real. We'll vouch for you. Uh, $40 from Kanitha Davis. Thank you for bringing the necessary knowledge and speaking truth to power to the masses. You and Adam are much appreciated. P.S. Happy belated Father's Day to you both. I only ask for a Mo Karma, please. Thank you very much. And of course we got it. You've got Mo Karma. D.H. Slammer the God, $42. Uh, oh, he's, he's the show club number donation. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, I guess we should do that then. This is uh, another part of the uh, long-ago-developed value-for-value model show. I'm putting it in now, show club donation, or show club mm-hmm. member, I think we call it. Show club member. So when you donate the episode number, you get on that list. <laughs> You're on yet another list. <laughs> Enjoy. We love lists here, Mofax. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, oh, did I miss one? I think I did. Uh, yes. I, don't know, I don't know how you were sorted. They yeah, both, they both I'm, the same number. Yeah, okay. Mr. Matthew Black Knight of the Ice Giants. And thanks again, mm-hmm. uh, DH Slam of the God. Keep up the excellent work, gentlemen. Been learning so much in this journey. Been listening to the show since it started. Episode 40, now the topic of genetics passing trauma. Couldn't help but remind me of the Assassin's Creed game series. Indeed. The main mm-hmm. premise of the game, you know, are you familiar with this, the Assassin's Creed? No, I have I, Yeah, I have it, but I, I'm interested. The main premise of the game, besides the war between the Knights Templar and the Order of Assassins, is the main character being able to re, uh, relive genetically stored memories in a Matrix-like virtual reality. So I can't help but wonder how many of the studies into genetic memory were inspired by those games and whether they were the initial inspiration for that research in the first place. Looking forward to what each new show brings, says Sir Matthew, Black Knight of the Ice Giants. Thank you very much. That's, that's a very good point. And frightening at the same time. $40 from Brian Kunkel without a note. Uh, Connor Lawrence, thirty-three sixty-nine. Well, there's two magic numbers for you. Love and light, mm-hmm. gentlemen. This is the sexual number. Curry shakes fit. Curry shakes fist at Adam. I adore the analysis <laughs> from last week's episode, guys. It didn't dawn on me. That a media blackout exists on Tupac until you pointed it out, Mo. Dare I say he's the Nietzsche of hip-hop? You could. At any rate, I had one question for both of you. How do you recommend hitting people in the mouth with this show? Uh, by the way, is it called hitting in the mouth as it relates to Mo Facts? No, I think it should be called something else. Um, I'll continue. I really do feel this is info people need to hear, but sometimes I don't really know how to break through the false reality to show people how to show them the matrix. In other words, is there anything in particular you recommend? Uh, and he says, cl- closes by saying, at any rate, can I get some Wusa and goat Mo Karma for me and Elisa? Elisa, thank you too for the continued work and excellent shows. Be well and be with God with love and reverence. Well, what do you think about that? Now, Mo had these questions here that he has. So I well, think hitting in the mouth is, we, we need to have our own version of that. Yeah. I either got spreading the word or spreading the gospel. Or each one teach one. We got those kind of things. Um, but how do you do it? 
me and a good friend of mine, E-Class, we all understand that's my confidant. Um, he was telling me how he had told people like three years ago stuff. They hear you, but they can only see it when they're ready. So share it with them, but don't beat them over the head with it. Because then now he's saying that people actually sending him clips that he sent them three years ago. <laughs> hey, did you see this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's pretty. It's unique. not worth it. It's, yeah, it's not worth losing friends over. I would say. Oh, that. definitely not. And and don't be disappointed. I agree with you, Mo. Don't be disappointed. Say, hey, you know, this is something you want to listen to. And uh, you can always bring it up again later. So, you know, it's interesting because Mo and Adam were talking about that back then. He, and um, the thing I, I'd like to recommend is using, I am partial to the app Overcast, uh, which mm-hmm. is not free. It costs something. It's not very much, but it's, it's done by one guy and he's really listened to what people want. He's made, a, I think, a great app. And from that, you can, uh, so say you're listening like, oh, this would be great to send to somebody. I want them to hear it right from this point. You can either actually set an in point and an out point and send a physical file right from the app, or you can mm-hmm. send your your friend a link, just like with YouTube, and it'll start on that page. It'll start playing the podcast at that spot in the podcast on a web page. That's, oh, okay. that's a great way to do it. It really is uh, quite fantastic. And in the future, I'm hopeful that we will also have a... Um, like the new no agenda show dot net website, which is where it is now. We'll have transcripts mm-hmm. and clickable links and stuff. So, but we got stuff to do. We got stuff to grow. You know, we're just getting started here. Um, was there another question he had? Oh, we had that. Okay, so the Wusa. Yeah, yeah, both on, yeah. yeah, and we gotta have that. Where's my where my Wusa? At? Wusa. There we go. Wusa. Wusa. You've got Mo Comer. <laughs> and with the twist of goat. James Brown, 3333, says, Thank you both for this wonderful podcast and the effort you put into it. I very much appreciate uh, having access to your perspectives in these insane times. Mo, are you uh, aware of Q? <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> Q of course. is a bigger conspiracy nut than I am. Absolutely. <laughs> You know, we, that's that's where we actually first touched perfectly, I would say. It's like, what? Lizard people? Okay. Right. Yeah, we should talk to each other. Christian Skinner, $25 and uh, hashtag Mo2020 is what what he has uh, uh, sent in as a note. Uh, we have uh, the chef, Chef Rosenberg, Elvis, the Chef Rosenberg, and he sends us $25 for episode 41. He said it was an amazing show. Thank you very much. We're very encouraged by your support and your notes, uh, Chef. James Davis, $25. Happy Father's Day to both you, longtime Noah Agenda listener and producer. Thank you for the podcast. Lots of food for thought. Yes, we like it that way. That's it. That's it? Yeah. The food for thought? Food, 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 food for, for thought. Th- absolutely. Yes. Instead of hitting them in the mouth. Food for thought. Oh, I like that. All right, we'll write that one down. Um, sir, this just feels right. Yeah, I agree. I like it. I like it a lot. Food for thought. Uh, Sir Chris James, twenty five dollars. He's a no agenda tonight. Mo, have you heard? Uh, have you heard of Bishop Larry Gators? He's the real deal. Love your show. One of the most informative uh, podcasts out there. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Larry Gate. Uh, Bishop Larry Gators is, is my guy. Okay, 
have we played something yeah, from him yeah. in the past? I think we have. I, ha- I have not. I have not. not uh, Gators, no. Yeah, no, he, he, he goes way out there. So <laughs> Okay. I'm, I'm sure he'll make time. an appearance. In, in time. In okay. time. In time. Okay. Baby steps, people. Baby yes. steps. <laughs> uh, okay. Carlo Romero. $25 from Carlo. And I remember when Tupac died. I was 14 years old at the time. And it made me sad because I loved his music, spirit, drive, and energy. During the show, you played a clip in which he said that if he was raised in a stable household, he would have been a lawyer. That was such a profound statement. Agreed. One question. Will we ever know who killed Tupac? We've heard rumors that Biggie was involved, Orlando Anderson, Suge Knight, and even the Illuminati. There's so many conspiracy theories. Remember when Chris Rock said Tupac was killed to get on the Las Ve- was killed on a Las Vegas strip in front of Circus Circus and nobody saw anything there? Uh, any, let me see. No one saw anything, and there was surveillance footage. How is this murder not solved? Anyways, great show, says Carlo. Now, some things are not intended to be solved. I guess you have thoughts on that. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that one's never going to get solved. No, there's too much, too much going on with that. I'm afraid some things just don't. It's like JFK, you know. We'll, yeah, we'll never just, really know. <laughs> too big. Uh, $25 from Matt Baja. Great work, Mo. Politely tell Curry to ease the volume on the jingles and sound effects. Really? Okay. Coming in hot, Curry. Coming in hot. That's, sorry about that. Uh, I will work on it. Clayton Donovan, $25. Thank you for introducing me to Hank Crawford. After last, uh, after last episode, I've listened to his Wildflower album multiple times now. Amazing stuff. Thank you very much. Nice. Yeah, with that way we do. I love that. Uh, Clinton, $23 with a happy Father's Day note. Thank you, Clinton. Maverick Pilgrim, $21, says, I've been listening for about six months. You've almost heard them all. And I felt prepared to navigate these difficult cultural times thanks to both of you. These are the conversations that need to be taking place. I would love to hear some perspective on the founding of Liberia and Black Jeopardy with Tom Hanks. I don't know if I've given enough to warrant it, but if it's not too much trouble, can I get a Wusa and a shout out to Al Shuler? Wusa, indeed. And I'm going to ask Mo in a second Woosa. here. Wusa. Wusa. Uh, Liberia and Black Jeopardy with Tom Hanks. Do you know anything Black, about this? I think Black Jeopardy is the, uh, he's talking about the uh, SNL skit, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. Uh, and- Okay. In Liberia, if it if I have some cross references there, I might bring that into the conversation. Okay. Eventually. And why do I not know what Liberia? I mean, what what is there something I should know about Liberia? Oh, that was the um country that was created after I want to say 19 Well, yeah, I know Liberia, but is there a reason that that it's appropriate to uh to our show? Oh, it's just I mean it's, it's interesting. I okay. mean just how they try to create a black nation for uh Ah, I see the context. Okay. Yeah. yeah, all right. I don't know about Black Jeopardy with Tom Hanks. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> all right, and there here we see with $20 the chef back again. Uh I presume he says, well, this is $20 for, for episode 22 from Father Victor, and he just mm-hmm. made 70, yo. And this is some code. So I'm guessing that's his, that's, that's his, that's that's his, his dad. Pop pop. It's pop, his dad. pop. All right. Yeah, $20 for pop pop. Like, so. <laughs> do it for your big mama. No, <laughs> do it for your pop pop. Thank you, Elvis. Uh, Trevor Williams, $20. You're incredibly talented, Mo. I have learned a lot in the last few episodes, especially about Malcolm X. Yes. 
a fan favorite. <laughs> Mike Salmon, $20. Mo and Adam, thank you for making me smarter. Mo, I really appreciate your insight and exposure of the truth. Keep up the great work. Cheers. Martin Malone, 1619. Well, we know what that code stands for. No note, mm-hmm. which is pretty appropriate of the 1619 project. <laughs> Just an empty note. Brandon M. <laughs> Ellsbury, $10. Stay awesome. Mo, doing a North Carolina road trip. Where should I go? That's your From the mountains grounds. to the ocean. I mean, you can go anywhere. North Carolina is the greatest state in this union. Uh, even though I live in Virginia now, because you got mountains, you got the ocean, you got the Piedmont. Uh, so, I mean, any spot. This time of year, I would say the beach, though. That's 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 where it's at. Are the beaches open in North Carolina, or are they, uh, or only the wet yes. sand? What? <laughs> in California, <laughs> you don't know this? You're, you're, the beach is open, but you're not allowed to sit, and you're only allowed to walk on the wet sand, not on the dry sand. I'm not kidding. You're not allowed to sit, and you're only allowed to walk on. How do you get to the wet sand? Uh, I, I, I don't. <laughs> it's California, Mo. They have special powers out there. I don't oh, know. Got it. Got it. Got it. I don't know. It's crazy. Thank you, Brandon. Sasha, right as we're almost wrapping it up here, nine forty-one. Thank you for all you do. I'm learning so much. I would otherwise never would have known, let alone even thought to look for. God bless. God bless you, Sasha. Uh, Patrick Stasiak, 833. Uh, he says he's from Saginaw, Michigan. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he did it. it. This is the first one we've been waiting for. It. He says, so he sends us our $8.33 and says, hey, man, sorry for racism. <laughs> Very funny. Did it come through Cash App just to make it even better? Do you remember? No, it came, it came through PayPal. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> so, I, I think we should, we should do another one that says, how you doing? Are you okay? <laughs> uh, hanging in there. Thank you, Patrick. Very funny. I'm going to give you a Mo Karma for that one. You crack me up with you that. Got. Mo Karma. William Hawthorne, $5, but no note, but thank you. Andy Wu, $5. He says, you got me with the funny $5 a month clip to start the donation segment with on episode 41. And we got to play that one again. Uh, Thank you very much, Andy. And then wrapping it up with $4.11, no note, Terry Keller. And uh, these are the uh, executive producers, associate executive producers, and the rest of the producers who financially supported MoFax with Adam Curry, episode number 42. Thank you so much. There is no other way to do this without you. And uh, it uh, is very encouraging. Uh, to read these notes and see this kind of support. And we thank you. And we'll be doing it uh, again for you, uh, most likely within a week now that Mo has moved. We'll try to get on our schedule. Uh, you can oh, support- yeah, we're definitely going to be, yes. yes. You can uh, support us by going to uh, mofax.com or if you want to go directly to the uh, supports page, it's mofundme.com, M-O-E-F-U-N-D-M-E.com. Mofax with Adam Curry, episode 42. Again, thank you to all these producers. It's highly appreciated. <laughs> All right, so I teased the Mo Facts Law before the break. Yes. Uh, you probably wonder what that is. I'm rather curious. Well, yes, uh, since I do so, work with the man, I'd like to know what I'm up against. So we all heard of the Godwin's Law, right? Yes, you, the, the minute someone calls someone else Hitler, or used to be that way, then the discussion was over. It says, as a online discussion grows longer, the probability of a comparison involving Nazi or Hitler approaches one. 
That's the Goblin's Law, right? Yep. So the Mo Facts Law is the longer that a racial conversation goes on, Chicago will come up. <laughs> it kind of has to, I guess, right? It's just it all. I've been noticing this. I'm like, no matter what, whoever starts the conversation, it's Iris all. You're so right, man. You're so right. So I'm, I'm, I'm uh, coining that term today. Mo facts law. The Mo, Mo facts law. When it's gonna head to Chicago, uh-huh. and th- this show will be no different. So we need to go and find out about Otis McDonald and how he beats the city of Chicago and the fight for Second Amendment. A grandfather is taking his constitutional issues to the U.S. Supreme Court in what is expected to be a landmark case. 76-year-old Otis McDonald is suing the city of Chicago over its handgun ban. Good evening. McDonald says he wants the right to protect himself from gang members who threaten the Morgan Park neighborhood where he lives. Otis McDonald's case will be argued before the nation's high court next week. ABC 7's Paul Mikey talked with McDonald. He's here now with that part of the story. Paul. Cheryl Ron, Otis McDonald is 76, a retired maintenance engineer who moved to Chicago in the early 50s with $18 in his pocket. At this point in his life, he says he surely didn't set out to make history, but that's clearly where he finds himself. I have a strong drive to to do what I can to right that I see is wrong. For the better part of four decades, Otis McDonald has lived in Morgan Park. He and his wife raised their family here. Ten years after they first moved in, Chicago enacted its handgun ban. An idea McDonald at the time applauded. But in the years that have followed, McDonald says his neighborhood has changed, more crime. He's been broken into three times. And he's long since concluded that the gun ban is a bust. Yeah, Chicago, Illinois, another one of those states where it's uh, pretty much impossible mm-hmm. to uh, to own a, a firearm. So I would like to say that Otis McDonald is a hero because he he went out there uh, and he wanted to protect people, and he and he fought you know always to the Supreme Court. Of course, he was back. I mean, that's that's not lost on me, but sure. these kind of people, the ones we need to recognize, because, you know, I would say if maybe somebody can write in from Chicago, I got a guy in Chicago. He always writes me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe he can give me a, uh, some feedback on this. Well, I would assume this was a good neighborhood when he first moved there, uh, similar to the white flight. And we de- dealt with uh, um, with the. Um, Michelle Obama, mm-hmm. but it seemed like he said, he said the neighborhood got worse, and he even agreed that they thought the handgun ban was a good idea at first. Back in the day, yeah. But now, but how do you have these older people who lived on certain blocks that are becoming worse and worse over time, and then you have, uh, need a way to um, protect themselves. Well, also, I think uh, this is interesting. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. That um, he's a good case, regardless of um, race, background, color, creed, etc. When right. you're when you're in a good safe neighborhood, you kind of don't want guns around. That's the that appears to be the human instinct, right? But then but when as it soon changes, as it goes left. when it changes, <laughs> then everyone kind of wants it, including Ken and Karen. Ken and Ken's a thing now too. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> I, 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 come on, Mo. Gonna, come on. I, oh, you got. I know you, about you, Karen. You got This it. is this has to be new, new. I mean, because well, this is, this is a white thing, brother. This is uh, we got we got Karens and then we got Ken. Ken is uh, basically those two people with the guns who are oh, who are okay. who are pointing them at at uh, quote unquote black people. I would have went with Kyle, but I mean, okay, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> Kyle, I like Kyle actually. <laughs> I, I think Kyle, yeah, that's probably better. But I, but I, I don't make it up. I think Ken is. That's just is. me and my brand. That's all right. No, that's okay. <laughs> we digress. All right, so, um, yeah. So I just wanted to shine a little light on Mr. Otis McDonald, but for what his fight was. But let's just get into the second clip about um um Mr. McDonald. It doesn't work. It doesn't work because. Simply because you, the, the senior citizens and law-abiding citizens like myself is being victimized by saying that you can't have a handgun in your own home. Why? Tell me what I can't have in my own home. I'm not out there robbing nobody. After attending an NRA rally four years ago, McDonald was recruited by gun rights activists to serve as a possible plaintiff in legal action against the city. So I was skeptical at first. You know, I'm thinking now, wait a minute here, you know, uh, little old me, I'm all up in here with lawyers and things, you know. McDonald joked with lawyers that his color must have been a bearing on his selection, but he ultimately decided that race and politics were secondary to a cause he believes in. So he agreed to be the lead plaintiff, McDonald versus the city of Chicago and Mayor Richard M. Daley. Does this lead to everyone having a gun in our society? If they think that's the answer, then they're greatly mistaken. Then why don't we do away with the court system and go back to the old West, you have a gun and I I have a gun and we'll sell it on the streets. Oh yeah, well there there it is. There it is. Un-American thinking. And this logic, it's like there's no middle ground. It's just it's not like I want to be protected no in my home. Or, no, you're on the wild, street. Wild yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't get this logic. Um but since that he he did win the case, just to let people know. And since that, uh a Chicago top cop he wants to have a new gun law in Chicago. Last year, the Chicago Police Department confiscated more than 7,400 guns, more than five times per capita than in New York. Chicago's gun laws are as strict as any in the country. In fact, you can't buy a handgun in the city. So where do they come from? Many come from places like this, a gun shop in a nearby town. This is Chuck's gun shop in neighboring Riverdale, which is frequently the target of protests because of the amount of guns they've sold over the years that have ended up being used in crimes. Illegal handguns in our community. The owner of Chuck's declined our interview request. Many of the guns from Chuck's and other stores that end up on the streets are so-called straw purchases, bought legally by somebody without a criminal record who then turns around and sells them on the streets. Don Mastriani owns Illinois Gunworks. He says a straw purchase can be tough to stop. It's not like they come into the store with a neon sign saying, hey, I'm going to buy it for somebody else. Okay, you don't know that you can't. I can't read your mind. You could go into a gun shop. You could buy ten nine millimeters and walk out the door, and there's no trail after that. That's true. This is another example of policing in the wrong place. Yeah, 
they police the streets, stop and frisk, do all these things, but the gun shops never get investigated. Now, this is this is where I draw the line on gun ownership. Once you purchase that gun, you're responsible for that, in my mind. You're responsible for that gun until, you know, you lose it or sell it. And anything that happens with that gun, you're responsible for it until you can prove that you had no doing and tra- and transferring that gun to w- to the problematic person. This this is where I draw the line because these guns are getting into children's hands. Children. Like little yummy that we talked about on the last show. You know, I I, uh, I don't feel really comfortable because I don't know enough about it, but mm-hmm. from from what I've looked at in Chicago and Illinois is that the majority of the guns on the streets have been purchased legally in Indiana. It's all over. Isn't I mean it's in Illinois and 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 um right. But but yeah. the, but the, yeah. the problem the way I understand it is mm-hmm. uh, there is a a big political and I think to some degree valid pushback on a list of gun owners and what weapons they own. You don't necessarily want the government having that. Well, let, let's flesh out what the top cop is recommending, and then we can, we can discuss okay. it after that. All right, good. That's not gun control. That's not saying you can't buy your gun. All that's saying is you got to let us know where it is. Superintendent McCarthy says he's only looking for common sense solutions for what's become an epidemic in his city. Just over a week into 2013, Chicago has already seen more than 50 shootings, 14 homicides, and 180 guns confiscated off the streets. Ted Rollins, CNN, Chicago. Yeah. Listen to those numbers. We're talking about 40, 50 people being shot every weekend. 10 to 20 people being killed every weekend. Yeah, it's it's very bad in Chicago. Not you, but people are okay with contact tracing (laughs) over COVID. (laughs) Well, we can't uh, trace guns. Okay, so I'm also not comfortable with covid contact tracing at all all for for very similar reasons Mm -hmm. because it why wouldn't and and in some states there are examples where contact trace people have been forced to stay in their house and uh i'm I'm not saying this out of public health observations Mm -hmm. but that's not the way it works you can't just willy-nilly decide that i'm going to force you to stay in your house because you may be positive because xyz you know these are the rights that are uh that are uh i think arguably under attack with the with the coronavirus situation having gun owners now if you want to voluntarily uh go to the police station and say this is my gun mm-hmm. uh and i have it i mean i don't know exactly what that will do because you know Hey, it got stolen. I don't know where it is. I mean, there's a million different things you can do. Uh, I just don't see okay. it. I just don't see it as a as a funk. I, and I'm with you, Mo. I'm with you. I of course, you know. I think it's HeyStupid.com if you want to see all the statistics from Chicago on a day by day basis. It's atrocious what's going on. It's atrocious. Well, but the guns, well, the guns out. will get there. Yeah. Let me flesh. Well, 
I, there is a way to stop them because maybe you don't want to trace back to the individual owner, but if you could trace it back to stores that are habitual violators or hey, we have four murders coming from guns that were sold at your store. We, we have a point where we can check these things because what I start seeing is a repeat of what the crack epidemic was, right? Mm-hmm. You have people dying and it's like, oh, let's ratchet it down on the street level. That's not fixing the problem. That's like you trying to take down a tree leaf, leaf by leaf. Like, right. you pull all the leaves off a tree first and then we'll get to the limbs and then we'll get to the trunk. That's totally backwards. Um, so we need to go after the either the manufacturers, say, hey, this guy's a bad actor. Maybe you don't need to sell to him anymore. On on the on the retail level. Mm-hmm. I understand, I understand where you're coming from about list of having people owners, guns. I agree with you on that. But this is a way bigger public health crisis. Than COVID is oh way totally, bigger totally. and 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 I I just looked it up I was pretty sure I was going to be right but uh, mm-hmm. a, a trace a gun trace traces the life of the gun all the way up to the point of sale from a licensed dealer so if you can trace it back to the gun store in fact here's a uh, there's an example here I'll put it in the show notes uh-huh. a completed trace form which tied a gun recovery in a robbery to a Virginia dealer known for selling crime guns. So that's the, what I, that, this work that's is my, taking place. So that's the point I'm saying. I'm not saying okay. the, the 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 citizens, right? Because that's a gray area. You start getting lists, and I agree with you on the contact tracing everything. But if you have four or five guns come from your store to end up in murders or crimes, <laughs> we got to start. We got to start looking at you. Right. We need to start stop stopping and frisking gun on. I mean, gun owner, uh, gun shop owners. <laughs> Yeah. Like, what, what's but going I, on I, here? I, I really think I still think if you do the numbers, the the amount of guns that uh, show up on the streets legally mm-hmm. um, that are not traceable is going to far outstrip anything that you're doing. Through. I mean, gun dealers, gun stores, licensed firearm dealers. This mm-hmm. is no joke. You lose your license in a in the wink of an eye. I mean, th- th- this is very very right. Again, I'm not the right guy, but I know that anything we say, even a little bit off, is going to result in such an ass whooping and a lesson learning from our producers. I'm just trying True. to d- diminish the impact, which is undoubtedly right. undoubtedly coming. All, all I'm just saying is we can't be all gas and no brakes. That's that's all I I'm agree. saying. I because agree with at that. the end of, at the end of the day, we have dead black children on the street, <laughs> and yeah. nobody's being held accountable for it. And if the news was honest and the media was honest, they should have covered it the same way they covered Trump and black people buying guns. They should have said under this previous president, we have elderly people scared out their minds of the community communities that he uh, organized. Right. I mean, if you want. So that's all I'm saying. I'm just want to put balance to both sides. Um, so we picked we stopped at the. So I just want to give you an example of how these guns are going across borders and going into Chicago. Tonight, the I-team investigating an alleged international drug and gun conspiracy with hidden links to quiet Chicago suburbs. Prosecutors Uh. say a massive arsenal, cocaine rings, secret cash, suburbanites, all connected to a deadly crime ring. Investigative reporter Chuck Gowdy here with new details tonight. 
Kathy, tonight locked and loaded in and out of the way places, quiet suburban hideaways. Federal prosecutors say an international criminal organization built outposts of an illicit empire right in our backyard. Now the I-team puts together the puzzle as authorities say they have linked phony Collar County gun buys to drug cartel violence across the border. It is often a small town. I think what you're looking at is one piece of a larger puzzle or a larger set of operations. Here inside Unit 345, an arsenal ready for war. These photos obtained by the I-Team through the Freedom of Information Act and unveiled for the first time show firearms hidden in a gym bag, box after box of heavy-duty weapons. Investigators recovering dozens of firearms, some fully automatic machine guns. There are strong incentives for people all throughout this industry uh, to make a quick buck, a tidy profit as a result of uh, operating outside the law. Of course this happens, of course. And to compound that, because I, I, I want to just saying to harp on that point, switch a switch that turns Glock pistols into mini machine gun. Law enforcement, people buying a small part that turns a Glock pistol into a mini machine gun capable of firing dozens of rounds within seconds. The part is not only dangerous, it's illegal. But as WGN investigates has learned, it is turning up in Chicago. Local law enforcement has arrested two people and they're looking for more. This is a Glock 17. And so is this. In fact, it's the same gun. The difference is an illegal part known as an auto sear or switch that when fitted onto the back of a Glock handgun transforms it from semi-automatic to a fully automatic pistol similar to what bump stocks. So we're knocking out bump stocks. I've told the NRA, I've told it, bump stocks a gun. Banned last year by the Trump administration can do for rifles. Oh, okay. Is it Trump's fault he hasn't uh, banned this part? <laughs> uh, sounds like it. But <laughs> what, I, what I'm just, I want to lay this all out to show you these are the kind of machines that are being put inside children's hands. And once again, I have to humanize these children. A lot of them are just live action role playing. The same way these kids show up to these rallies and call themselves a part of these groups. A lot of them are just playing the part. Yep. They have their gun. They don't really know how to use it. You putting this kind of machinery into inexperienced hands. No, so you say, Mo, how, how do we counteract this? Yes. I say you instead of trying to keep them from guns, teach them how to use guns. I think a lot of these kids don't have respect for the power because if you watch a show called First 48, now there are some hardened criminals at young ages. Don't get that twisted because we covered that in the Super Predator. Mm. But a lot of these kids that you want to lump in there are just trying to survive so they have to make themselves seem like that way. And they get a gun, they're put in a bad situation, and they end up ruining their whole lives because they don't understand or respect the power of these of these machines. Well, here's an idea. Here's a program I would start, although it takes a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. But it would be great to have uh, men, you know, like big brothers, big sisters, which I always thought was, I just like that program. I always thought it was good. So you can have big mm-hmm. brothers and big sisters, and they uh, will be trained in teaching uh, kids 
gun safety, gun culture, gun operation, you know, whatever it is, um, and make it a, make it a part, just like uh, Boy Scouts or uh, the. I, I used to be a Boy Scout. I was an Indian guide as well. How about that for cultural appropriation? And just to go show you how beautiful this show is, what we talked about, you said when you saw those flyovers, right, at the um, Mount, Mount Rushmore, mm-hmm. you said the 10-year-old boy, you know what I'm saying, and you yeah. loved it. Yeah, the 15-year-old yeah. boys yeah. love. 15-year-old they- boys love guns and things that blow up. Of and course, it's fantastic. Those kind of things. So to try to keep them away from it is, you know what I'm saying, futile. What which we need to do, like I said, is like like you said, have these big bro- brother programs. Mm-hmm. First of all, start teaching them at age maybe ten how to handle a gun. Yeah, no, de- demystify it, uh, make them uh, less scared of it. Let them go shoot. You know, flesh. we we had this culture um, when I was when I was young, so mm-hmm. probably about ten fifteen years before you were coming up. Uh, some kids brought their uh, their rifle to school and put it in their locker because they're going to go out, you know, shooting some shit later in the woods. Right. And, and I lived in Maryland, you know, <laughs> 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 so, you know, and it was no, and no one thought about it. It was like, okay, you know, it wasn't my thing. I'm like, well, I don't really want to go hang out with the guys with the guns, but mm-hmm. it wasn't like, oh, it was none of that. I'll imagine that now. <laughs> uh, but what I'm saying is, take them, let them go shoot flesh. With this machine and let them see what you're going to do to another human being. Take them hunting. I, I bet you, not even hunting, like racks of beef, you're saying style right, of beef. Right, right, like okay, they, yeah. Like I think they had one of those shows like uh, the making those weapons, like axes and swords and stuff. They show you how the impact of uh, the weapon. <laughs> yes, and they use a big how, stunk of cow. <laughs> right. Take them there. Let them, this is what you're going to do to another human being when you yeah. pull that trigger. I think a lot of these kids don't know. No. They well, don't know. Well, well, you don't see that on television. You don't see those results. It's either a one or a zero, lived or died. That's all you ever yep. see. You never see the maiming. You never know what happens inside the body when a bullet tumbles through it. None of that. Yeah. So I think if we educate that way and then stop the flow of guns at the bad actors level, I think we can make a big turnaround. And it will make it will make only a gun in the black community less taboo. Cause that's, that's my, uh, that's my, that's my ultimate goal. Um, so we have a conspiracy theory. I don't think we need the theorem for this, but, uh, there's another source of guns that many talk about, but it doesn't get a lot of press. That is ex Chicago game member says they're dropping off guns in the hood. Situation in Chicago, man. I'm from Chicago. Born and raised there, I ran those streets in Chicago and changed my life. But I want to kind of make people aware of some things that you don't know because you've never really been out there, then you wouldn't know it. And it's going to be hard to believe, but myself for a fact and several others that I ran with know this to be the truth. Uh, growing up in Chicago in the early 90s, the same situation was happening. I've been in Chicago where a person came into my house and knocked on the door to come and get me early in the morning, 6.30 in the morning, and said, uh, come with me, man, it's, it's a crate of guns in the alley. And I got up and ran out there, and sure enough, there was a crate of guns. Wow. And during that time when we in it, you know, thinking about where did the guns just come from? You know, you, you never think about that type of stuff, like where did the guns come from and why are they here? But now that I'm older, I can kind of tell you that it's 
the diabolical plot. Nothing is stopped. The, gun, the guns are still there. The guns are still being placed in these different strategic communities. It's a plan. Well, Mr. Mo. Yes. When it comes to this particular story mm-hmm. and uh, and who would do something like that, um, there's a very well-known uh, strategy called the strategy of tension. In Europe, in the, I think it was the 70s, but all into the 80s, probably. Have you ever heard of Operation Gladio? Briefly. So, or, yeah. So, go ahead. Go ahead. Operation Gladio was a code name for a, a stay-behind group of operatives um, that, you know, after the uh, Second World War and the, really the Cold War. And mm-hmm. they had weapons caches all over the place, in the Netherlands and Belgium and Switzerland and Italy. In fact, in Italy is where it came out because they found one of these weapons caches and it was a huge political scandal. I'm not adverse to thinking that these uh, may not have been put down by gangsters, but by people who have, who like tension in, uh, in certain areas. And that's what he's alluding to, that this is, this is not by gang members. Now, who's doing it? Who knows? Because, I mean, you could say, okay, if you're anti-cop, Let's put the gang. Let's put the gang guns in the gang members' hands and doesn't sound like doesn't sound there. like a gang thing to do, quite honestly. Right? Uh, or if you, or if you're, you know, I mean, it, it go all kind of different ways. Who's putting them there? And that, and that that's not why I played this, but I understand now. In hindsight, of the bricks showing up, mm. boxes of the guns are not far fetched. Yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. In fact, in fact, it's just as evil. I don't care if it's a gun or a brick. The, you know, it's for very evil purposes. Yeah, because when this came out, people were like, "Oh, that's a myth." But uh-huh. now that we've seen what the how the bricks played out, uh-huh. this doesn't seem that far. Not that far. That's why they asked for. The, that's why I didn't ask for the theremin on that. Uh, <laughs> because it's just true, so, man. <laughs> it's just true. Right. So these last set of clips, I want to illustrate when black people start to talk about arming themselves. This is the pushback that you get from the liberal media. And this is Warren Charlemagne the God uh, talking about blacks buying guns uh, for uh, use against vanilla ISIS. <laughs> Charlemagne, I'm sure that you have some thoughts to share on this. So what are they? Yeah, my thoughts, man, you know, rest in peace to that brother and rest of uh, condolences to his family. Uh, I wish that brother had a gun on him while he was jogging so he could have defended himself against those thugs, those goons, uh, those terrorists. Whoa. I call them vanilla ISIS. That's what I call them. They hunt Whoa, them. Whoa, I got to stop this because I'm confused. <laughs> I got to stop this clip right now. Yes. I heard him use a couple of slurs. Uh-huh. And these were slurs <laughs> that I've been told are the, certainly the C word is a big no-no amongst the, yep. our black brothers and sisters. Uh-huh. And then, but then he says it's vanilla ISIS? Yes. Uh, some, someone's confused. I'll think it's me, but let's listen again. That brother had a gun on him while he was jogging, so he could have defended himself against those thugs, those goons, thugs. Uh, those terrorists. I call them vanilla ISIS. That's what I call them. They hunted him down like he was a deer. And I would also tell all my brothers and sisters out there to go buy yourself a legal firearm and learn how to use it so you can protect yourself and your family. I am 2A all day, and I think when you're a black person in America, owning a legal firearm is a form of self-care. 
Yeah. So that's my thoughts on that. I wish that brother had a gun on him while he was jogging, so he could have defended himself. I would much rather see him, you know, uh, in, in prison fighting for his freedom, uh, in jail fighting for his freedom, as opposed to, you know, being in a casket right now. Wow. Even the ending was kind of odd. That's Charlemagne. Of course it's Charlemagne. We know what charlatan is. I mean, Charlemagne. No, but I'm just saying, <laughs> what I'm saying is, you even have him saying 2A. Yes, but he's filled with all kinds of weird messages. And it sounds to me of like, co- of course, get your, two, of course. Get, your, and then, get your 2A so you can shoot the white guys before they kill you. Yeah. That's exactly what he's saying. <laughs> I just want to make sure I heard it yeah. right. But, but so he's let me still let me explain to what he's saying. Let me explain to this is a, I, I set that clip up poorly. Uh he's talking about the uh Ahmad Aubrey case. Ah, okay. Put it in context. Yeah, I got you. Yes, I'm sorry. Sorry. That's about okay. That. That's okay. I'm with you. Uh so he's saying when they chased him or ambushed him, he wished that he had a gun on him. Right. So he at least could have had a fair fight. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's calling them thugs and right. goons and vanilla ISIS, which I thought was pretty funny. Well, because you got to look at from his mind state that the white nationalists are terrorists, are domestic terrorists. I mean, that's yeah. that's the analogies that he's, he's laying out there. Mm-hmm. Now, you would think in this era where Black Lives Matter... MSNBC uh, would be all in. Would be all in. Yes. Uh, wait, you're going to tell me they don't like the idea? 33. Sh- Charlemagne, can I ask you, since these two, uh, they've been charged with murder, we don't know if there'll be anybody else who will be brought into uh, the charges. This father and son were showing their pictures right now. Um, the legal system, uh, the Rev talked aspirationally about what changes he would like to see in the legal system. Talk about that, because while I, I can understand the emotions behind what you said about what you wish people would do uh, within the black community, I'm sure you also understand that the prospect of everybody going out there and using guns to make their points or defend themselves or attack, uh, that may not turn out well in the big picture. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, they may go out and attack. Oh, lady, lady, lady. Now let me point your attention back to the Malcolm X clip. He's talking about self-defense. <clears throat> she played the same exact card as that reporter with Malcolm X. Yeah, exactly. Being being offensive. Attack. Go out and attack. He said nothing about attacking. Malcolm X said nothing about being, you know, uh, proactive with your gun. It's about defense. So this goes to show you black lives don't really matter. <laughs> if they did, then she was like, yeah, I think you're right. And, they, they, we should, they should have guns. And the, the, sad, the sad thing is, is there's the media separated by 50 years between the Malcolm X interview and uh, the Charlemagne the God interview. Same damn reaction and response from the media. Whenever a black man talks about getting arming himself, this is, I don't care how liberal, <laughs> how liberal they say they are. Yeah. As soon as you say, you heard her for your, oh, yourself. Yeah. She said, well, I don't, I don't know about getting guns now. People be going crazy with them guns. 
because you're not a victim anymore. And guess what? Guess who's there with her? Reverend Al. Uh, that's right. Well, the Rev, the Rev has all the good things to say. So let's hear Charlemagne's response to her inaccurate statement about what he said. Well, that's that's not what I said. I didn't say people should use their guns and go out there and go out there and attack. I said people should own legal firearms so they can defend themselves against these kind of attacks. That's what I said. Now, um, as far as the legal, the justice system, I don't have any faith in the justice system. I've seen plenty of, you know, uh, white, white people get off for killing unarmed black men in this country. So I don't have any faith in the legal system. So therefore, since I don't have any faith in the legal system, that's why I'm telling all my brothers and sisters out there to go by yourself a legal firearm and learn how to use it so you can protect yourself against these kind of threats. All right. Well, I'm, amendment. Glad, I'm glad the that you... The Constitution is for all of us, right? Pardon me, sir? I'm... The Constitution is for all of us, right? 100%. But that's, that's the question. That's why I, I, I think we got to be real careful. Is the Constitution for all of us and who breaks that? Who raises this, what Charlemagne is saying, is the continued lack of the justice system treating us like it's for all of us. Many of us that are committed to nonviolence, our problem is not people feeling they should get a gun. Our problem is people that will not enforce the law. Okay. <laughs> so, first of all, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's not a common day on the MoFact show when we uh, agree with something Charlemagne says. This does right. not happen very often. So, there's common ground, which is nice because there's divisiveness inside all kinds of groups so that's good Mm -hmm. and what the reverend was saying i'm not quite sure what what does he think he's not saying anything he said a (laughs) bunch of nothing what he's saying is well you know we're nonviolent, and second amendment might be for all of us but you know you know you want to keep hope alive and you know no justice no peace yeah but meanwhile good stuff meanwhile the guy walking down the ladder of the g5 that rev al flew in on uh, is packing and he's his bodyguard so you know of course of course this is crazy no i'm just going to show you that the old school thought is out the window yeah it's no more black people are it and i want to say this we got to keep our eye on Charlemagne. Oh yeah, always, keep always. He's doing not. He is doing some strange things and inviting strange people on the. When I say strange, not in a bad way. He had a uh, Rush Limbaugh on the show. Uh, he's having more conservative voices. Interesting on on the Breakfast this is, Club. This is so, a big deal. If Charlemagne's doing that, he's uh, he might want to stay away from. Uh, any type of hot tub or a small aircraft operated by the Democratic Party? Yeah. He could so find I think himself in some trouble. I, I huh. think he's, he's, somebody may be in his ear. I'll just say that. Let's just keep, let's keep an eye on him. Uh, but yeah, this, this is over. We want our rights. Like Charmin said, is the Constitution not for all of us? Is it not? Well, so, I mean, yeah. of course it is. Well, Unless, unless, like, for like these liberals over here are saying, well, you know, you know, we know about black people with guns. That's amazing. That that clip was amazing to me. That what that dirty trick that she played, and yep. then the Reverend Al to double down on it and be like, well, I don't, well, I don't really know what, what's going on now. Um, but of course, in the backdrop of this is both Reverend Al and Charlemagne are supposed to come from the same boule group, maybe not the exact same clubhouse. So I think Al is signaling to Charlemagne, like, uh, what you doing, man? 
you what right. you're talking about. Which they, I always say this, the elite are small pockets of groups that share some ideology or some, you know, uh, common thought uh, process, but they're not a monolith. Right. They're not a monolith. So maybe, but, but, Re- but Rev Al is, he's going to, uh, he's met his match there because Charlemagne's not, he's not a pushover. He's got a lot of, of power. Not. He's got a lot of power. And, and I've told you when Charlemagne, I, I have, I have something up my sleeve that Charlemagne let, 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 uh, go on, on his show. And I'll, I'll be playing that in the in the near future. Oh, it's but called the tease. Nice. <laughs> not intentionally, but Charlemagne is a very interesting character to watch. He saw yeah. how Kanye went, and now Kanye's doing great. So he might be mm-hmm. considering the th- same thing. Uh, with that said, you know, I always, I always like to end the show on a high note because, you know, it's always a good thing to do. Yeah, why not? <laughs> so I have. <laughs> well, that means you I, might come back next week. <laughs> right, right. We don't want you to, you know, feel too overwhelmed. So I have this good uh, comedy bit on gun control. You know, I was just in my hotel a little while ago on my way here, and uh, I got in the elevator. Right, I'm getting in the elevator, and these two high school white boys tried to get on with me. And I just dove off. I said, like, y'all ain't killing me. <laughs> I am scared of young white boys. If you white and under 21, I am running for the hill. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with these white kids shooting up the school? They don't even wait till 3 o'clock either. <laughs> Killing people in the morning, that ain't right. <laughs> Sound like a very young Chris Rock there. <laughs> yeah, that very, was. very young Chris Rock. Yeah, that's fun. You know, Mo, uh, this was a little different than many shows for me because um, I had many revelations right from the beginning. So I, that's really fantastic. And it, and it didn't take much. There's just a little, little uh, refocus, and I see a lot of very interesting things and a lot of great possibilities for America, which may be very, may be very strange to a European, and I think we have fleshed out quite a lot of it, to mm-hmm. hear you know, two clearly sane guys saying, ah, everyone should have a gun. It's much better that way. It's not easy for people to comprehend outside of the, the United States. Uh, but I, th- I think that we've, we've provided enough for people to start to explore the concept and look at, you know, what happens to uh, countries that clearly do not have this advantage that we have. Yeah. And, and growing up in America it is a unique situation, especially uh, American centralized uh, entertainment. It's all about guns. It's all about. Yes. Uh, being self, being able to protect yourself. And I will challenge people, anybody that has come across people that say, oh, we need to do something for the blacks. GBG. Uh, (laughs) 
and and just watch them freeze up. Just watch them freeze up. I will. Uh, I will make sure that uh, uh, giveblacksguns.com uh, forwards to this episode, uh, so you can always remember where it was that we were talking about. And uh, Mo, it's been great, man. It's been too long. We can't do these two weeks. I mean, I know you had to of move course, and all I that. Mi- yeah, but oh I'll, man, I missed it so much. I really. Did. I missed it too. I mean, I, I really missed it, and I'm glad to get back in the saddle. Things are settled here. Uh, and with that said, pay attention to everything and the truth will reveal itself. Mo, thank you so much, man. I'll talk to you in about a week, okay? All right, see you later, Adam. And the same goes for y'all. Meet us here next week at MoFax.com with Adam Curry. I was five and he was six. We rode on horses made of sticks. He wore black and I wore white He would always win the fight Bang, bang, he shot me down Bang, bang, I hit the ground Bang, bang, that awful sound Bang, bang, my baby shot me down came and changed the time when I grew up I called him mine he would always laugh and say remember when we used to play bang bang I shot you down bang bang you hit the ground bang bang that awful sound bang bang I used to shoot you down Music played and people sang Just for me the church bells rang Sometimes I cry He didn't even say goodbye He didn't take the time to lie Bang, bang He shot me down Bang, bang I hit the ground Bang, bang That awful sound Bang, bang My baby shot me down Thank you.